won the Medal of Honor in Vietnam. He was busted from the San Diego police force. And the girl he loved was killed by the Pacific Ocean. In the last day and a half, he's creamed a motorcycle cop in Colorado. Wiped out a Jaguar XKE in Utah. And kept a rendezvous with two bulldozers in Cisco, California. His name is Kowalski, and he lives with speed to get himself up, to get himself gone. Barry Newman is Kowalski in Vanishing Point. In his supercharged Challenger, he ran through every roadblock, speed trap, and dragnet the cops of four states could come up with. It took him 26 hours to become a legend, a hero, the super driver of the Golden West. Barry Newman, Dean Jagger, Cleavon Little, Vanishing Point, in color from 20th Century Fox, rated GP, all ages, parental guidance. We just start doing vocal exercises. <laughs> Mama's a me, mama, papa's a poor papa, baby's a bad baby. A mist, the mist and coldest frost and stoutest writs. Me, 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 me. He thrusts his fists against the post and still insists he sees the ghosts. Yes. Mouth, I used I've seen people take like pens or pencils and they put it in their mouth like this. They try to say like, talk like this, then they come out like it's like it's gotten your lips all uh Ready to go. All tightened up and yeah, loosened no. and all everything. Yeah, it's like it's like doing some stretching with your lips. <laughs> so we've had some exciting couple weeks. Yeah. We had two weeks two episodes ago we had uh, Mighty Mighty Mike Vanderbilt get driven out by his mom from Chicago. He uh he came over. And then uh last episode, um we had Tyrus came and slept over. That was great. <laughs> Yeah, crazy. I that one. Yeah, I know. It was one of, those, surprise. one of those situations where, yeah, last minute your mom's like, you ain't sleeping over. It's two, two, two last minute I notice. I get done your chores. And Blake was like, no, I didn't do it. I hate you. Yeah, you always hated me. You never wanted me. I was an accident, you said. So I brought Tyrus over, and that was funny, like, bringing him over, because he came over in his onesie and his Godzilla toys, and he had all these Godzilla toys come down. It was, it was very funny. I was like, this is my friend Tyrus, Ma. He's going to stay over. <laughs> Uh, my mom was like, we're going to have to pull the big bet out for him. So, um, And then this week we're here back and um, uh, we're rounding up the end of the summer now. Yeah, we're in the home stretch. Yeah. A um, couple things. All have right. you noticed? Welcome to Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. Saturday Night Movie <laughs> Sleepovers away. Uh, that's Jay Blake. And this is Dion Baia. <laughs> Blake's going to be uh, doing all the voiceover work for this episode. Yes, I'm Dion Baia, and that's Jay Blake. Um, and with you, as always. <laughs> and their dog, Fred. <laughs> um, last Two weeks ago, we did um, the Blues Brothers with Mighty Mighty Mike Vanderbilt from Chicago. We were trying to figure out how many musicals we did, and we were thinking we only did two or three. But then I was thinking, after listening to the show, we've done Willy Wonka. Uh-huh. Ching! Check! We did Grease. Two, yeah. Labyrinth. 
I guess technically you could consider that a musical. Disney's Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> that is definitely a musical. <laughs> uh, maybe Garfield's Halloween because they do break into song and True. stuff. I mean, True. that's on the fence. You could put it on there. And then maybe Dirty Dancing? Maybe not. Probably that's a stretch. That I don't know if I'd consider that yeah. a musical. But so we had at least in her belt, that's like what, maybe six? Five or six musicals we'd done. And then you add on to that, then the Blues Brothers. Yeah. And so today we're doing hair. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I brought the complete wrong notes. <laughs> I thought we were doing um, Phantom of Paradise. <laughs> oh, that would be a good one for us to do. Yeah, that and Bugsy Malone I've, I've been pushing. To both. Right, it's a, it's a Paul Williams double trifecta there. It's a double. This is by Put them on the list. How can you do it that way? <laughs> you hear her upstairs like, beep, 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 beep. <laughs> cooking the Elios. Uh, she's going to get mad soon because they're going to All right, to bed. today we're... St- we're, we're Doing something slightly different, which we but also not different at all. No, because we've talked about doing this since the inception of the podcast, since we came up with the um, uh, the the log line of the podcast. This was part of the original concept idea, old and new. Yeah, we were going to always talk about movies that we grew up and had felt nostalgic for, influenced us, that or that we liked from yesterday, and from also yesteryear, yesteryear when I was seventeen. <laughs> Was it was a very It was like years after year. Sinatra died. I couldn't listen to that song. I know. Same with me. It was sad. Yeah, <laughs> me and you got into him really hard. And then I remember 98 and so, and then he died like the same year. And then that was it. And then now it's like some of those songs I can't listen to the same way again. You know. Um, All right, Pete Frank. And uh, <laughs> Frank's world. We're just living in it. <laughs> yeah, baby. And then um, we also were originally thinking of doing newer movies. Yeah. Which we haven't really done. What's the newest movie? That's another thing I haven't thought about yet. What's that, the newest that we've movie we've done, done so far? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe another Lucas. <laughs> yeah. Was it? Would it be? I was <laughs> going to say Peach Dragon. <laughs> but, uh, Fifth Element. Fifth Element. We haven't done Peach Dragon. Yeah, it might have been Fifth Element, which is ninety-seven or eight. Seven. I think it was seven. Yeah. So that might be the latest movie we've done so far, and we've skirted the line. We've gone right before ninety-seven, ninety-eight. We did like. Uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> Wayne's World. <laughs> Which is good 25 years old or 26 <laughs> years old. Uh, but this this week we're doing... I wanted this summer. I made a demand. Yeah. I put down a... I decreed. Yeah. You you, you, you got a tablet out and then you did some blood oath. And I then said, you let's put it up do on something a, from the square. 2000s. You said, let it shall be written. Shall, <laughs> it shall be done. I said that poorly. I said, God damn it, Dan. If you don't want to do it, I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. I'm going to do it. And I'm you're like, do I'll it. do it. Yeah. I'll do it. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. saying I wouldn't do You're it. like, I'm going to do it. Hell's going to do it with me. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. We're going to do it. We're doing it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm turning everything on. I'm turning everything on. <laughs> Jeez, too much soda. But I would say that this movie very much fits into, today we're doing one of my particular favorite movies. Definitely one of my favorite movies of the 2000s. Mm-hmm. I would say if you were to make a vast list of my favorite movies of all time, maybe 50 or 100. Yeah. I would probably put this on that list. It wouldn't be like top 10, but it would be, you know, it would be. It would top go, 50, <laughs> top 25. If I put it, I would put it down in the in the lower, you know, in a list. Yeah. Uh, and so for me, one of the main inspir- inspirations for us to do the show, when we started talking about the kind of show that we would want to do, was, granted, neither one of us were big podcast listeners at the time. I mean, I listened to some, but uh, is that not many. What's a podcast? But part of, I think, the inspiration, one of the things we discussed was the idea of let's really dive in and discuss movies in a way that those kinds of movies don't normally get discussed. Yeah. You know, maybe something like... 
Casablanca might get discussed that way. Or, you know, Godard <laughs> or Truffaut or something. Yeah. Maybe maybe those would get, you know, some heavy discussion. But a yeah. movie like Karate Kid... Not so much. You know, and now, lo and behold, now that we're part of a, 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 a podcasted community, we realize that these movies are being discussed. Yeah. Hopefully we're discussing them in a certain way and we strive to discuss them in a certain way that's unique to us. But I would say in researching this before I came over for the sleepover and to watch it, I was kind of shocked to find out that this movie's not universally highly regarded as being amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And so in some ways this does fit in the category because we're going to talk about, we're going to talk the crap out of this movie. Yeah. And apparently not many people like it, but I do. Um, you think it's a it's a it's a, uh, a majority opinion that people don't like it? I don't know, but it's like, it's like fifty percent. It seems like fifty. It seems like it falls on one side or the other. Fifty percent of people don't like it. It's got like a fifty something rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I I mean honestly, like I've never talked to that many people about it. You know, I love it. Yep. I've mentioned it on the show. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And uh, because I mentioned it to Mike Vanderbilt. He's like, oh yeah, that's the one that you saw at the movies. <laughs> you know, he, like he knew the story, so I must have mentioned it on the show. Is there a story behind you seeing? There them? is. A, there's a little bit of a story about me seeing this for the first time. Is that something we should wait do now? Uh, we take can, the kitten out of the bag and let can, it breathe a little. We bit? We can do it. Sure. Or should you want to wait till later? We get when once we. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I, take I can all my say bags it up, out. <laughs> I could say it up front, uh, but other than you. A friend of mine, Steven, who now is a listener to the show. Hi, Steven. Took him years to come around. God damn you. Yeah. Uh, I told you you would. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, te- I email. Okay, here's the story. Because okay. Steven's, <laughs> Steven's tied into this story. There's a certain section of years right after we moved out. I left. After I left you, <laughs> in, in, the du- in the night, you left me. So that's uh, 2006-ish. September 2006. And I moved into Manhattan. I yeah. was living by myself for the first time. Yeah. I talk about this period as being a very dark period. It was the dark years. <laughs> the, it, it was the dark years. See Rocky. <laughs> yeah. See Rocky podcast. <laughs> see the Rocky podcast. And some other ones we've talked about. Maybe Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And so uh, this came out in 2009. So this was like three years in. Yeah. This is three years into the dark, dark years. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, I went, usually, Dion knows, I usually go to the movies first thing in the morning. Okay. I got the matinee price. By yourself. You got a lot. Don't even have to go on anybody. <laughs> Long ago, Blake's like, I, why do I have to but go I also somebody? was, especially at that time, I wasn't working a lot. That's true. I had a lot of time on my hands, I had, and I had no money. Yeah. So to go to a matinee was And Blake's perfect. not really a drinker. Blake's not really any other kind of vice kind of a guy. I, I'm the no. one who forces Junk him to do these things. Junk food movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, for, I force him to drink. I force him to do all these other bad things. But I decided I was bored. I don't know why. It was a Sunday night. Very atypical for me to do this. But yeah. I decided to go to the movies on a Sunday night. I walk up to the Lowe's AMC Theater in, just north of Columbus. Lincoln Center. Okay. Which was my, my movie theater at the time because I was living closer up there. Well, that has an IMAX now. up there, right? The real big IMAX. It has an oh. actual IMAX, yeah. not one of those fake. That they say is IMAX until you get in the there. the fact IMAX yeah. theater. It <laughs> has an actual IMAX theater, and yeah. it has several smaller theaters, but it has one fairly decent-sized theater that has a balcony. 
I've been to, I've seen there the the remake of Star Trek 2009. I've seen the second Transformers there. I might have seen the Star Wars Force Awakens there. But it has a genuine back balcony. Yeah. We don't care, Dion. I'm talking. <laughs> <laughs> I probably saw those there too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh, thinking I'm thinking just what I've <laughs> gone up there to see after work I'd run up there. Uh and so I would always sit in the balcony if I sat in that theater, even though the balcony seats are really uncomfortable because the ones on the on like the ground floor, the, the first floor, they have like spring in them. Yeah, you know they recline a little bit. Yeah. there's a little more room. The one on the balcony, they're straight up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're and they're and tight too. You're worried if you stand up, you're gonna fall. And yeah, they're t- it's fall tight over and die. You know, there's no room for your feet. You're, it's you're, very uncomfortable. Is it like a? Is it, they also have like it's like stadium seating up there. There's too? a good rake. Yeah, so, so there's, you, a good, there's a chance if you lo- lose your if you trip. <laughs> yeah, but not a lot of people sit up there. Yeah, so. I went to see it. I was one of the few people up on the balcony. Only the riffraff. But the the, the the regular floor was pretty crowded for a Sunday night, I would imagine. I don't go to the movies on Sunday nights usually. Really late or like at 7 o'clock? Um, probably 7, 7.30. Raining out? Seems like it would be a rainy <laughs> night. <laughs> it might have been. might yeah. have been. So I saw this movie. And did you, go into, yeah, did you go into it expecting anything? No. No. It's just going to be a hu- an action movie starring Liam Neeson? Dion I'll go see anything. I know, of course. Especially if it's like a Hollywood yeah. whatever. Yeah. I mean, I pride myself on that. My buddy Aaron and I saw Christmas with the Cranks in the movie. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. I'll go see anything. Yeah. Like an indie or foreign movie? Not so much. Of course. You want I the will, mainstream. Stuff I you will see on. those. Yeah. But like, if you're like, let's go to a movie, I want to go see the crappiest Worst reviewed Hollywood piece of crap yeah. out. I'll be like, I'm there, man. What time? You know, you and I used to go. <laughs> that was probably because of it. I would go growing up. You'd go see movies in the theater. Let's yeah, take yeah. a ch- take a chance on this. And then, like you know, as I gravitated, moved out with my parents after college. You and I would go see. I've seen some crazy movies in the theater just because you and I are like, hey, let's go see that. Oh yeah. But then now, past ten years, probably since this movie came out, I don't really do that anymore for some reason. Maybe like a, a lot of America, you just don't take the chance and you don't go see. You know, like as sure. you used to. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll you you make it up, uh, make yeah, it. A I point. try to make. I try to make it out. You're like, that's all I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was in college and I would go to the movies a lot with uh, one of our roommates, people would be like, "Why did you go see that?" When you would talk about a movie, and it's because like we would just go to the movie theater and we would see whatever the next movie was. Yeah, we didn't. We never went to the movies with the intent of seeing something specific. Yeah, like let's go to a movie. We go to the movie theater. Oh, this is starting in 15 oh, minutes. Oh, we'll see that. Let's see that. Or like, we got a half an hour till the next one starts. Let's get lunch and then we'll come back. And it was whatever the next movie was. Admittedly, a bit of Russian roulette, but I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I saw a lot of movies of that course. way. Of course. But so I saw Taken, loved it. Yeah. I was so into it. When the movie was over, the credits rolled, the audience applauded. Uh, how long after the movie came out did you see it? I don't know. Was it like that Friday? No, you it was saw pretty that soon. Yeah, okay. it might have been opening weekend or second weekend. Okay, it was not because this is one of those movies that opened okay, but then yeah, kept gained going steam from word of mouth, and then eventually it might even hit number one. But it was like this movie was out for a while, and word of mouth just kept rolling, and this movie became a hit over yeah. time, which is kind of rare. I mean, you hear about it, but most movies, it was like you know. Avengers will open at number one and it'll be made a billion dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Some movies come out, they maybe crack the top 10 
And then over time, they start to build because people are like, you know what, that movie was pretty good. That movie was pretty good. And so I, so the audience applauded, and that's rare. It's almost like a definition of like the old days of sleeper. You go see it, yeah. and then it would, you know, it would, you know, people would word of mouth. And, you know. I mean, here in the city, there's a lot of like retro screening, retrospective screenings. You go see something from the old, you know, a classic. Yeah. And people will applaud at the end. Yeah, of course. But it's rare to go see a movie first run. I'm a little have an audience applaud. I'm a little fed up with the with the clientele that go to these special screens <laughs> in New York. That's for a different conversation. Uh, so I came home. Yeah. After that, and I texted Steve. I emailed Stephen, who listens to this podcast, who is now a listener of this podcast, and will probably listen to this one because he too loves this movie. Hi, Stephen. We already said hi to you. I emailed him. I said I just saw Taken. It was awesome. You have to see it. Something to that effect. And he email, he replies to me probably the next day, uh, like Oscar Schindler in an action movie, like yeah. that movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was like, yes, just see it. <laughs> yes. And he saw it, and then he emailed me. You know, whenever he got around to seeing it, he's like, "You're right, that was awesome." And so this movie's always been like a movie well, that we both. I love. think one of the reasons I th- it, it could it placed that old traditional. Hey, look, I I this is was my second time watching this movie i watched it when it came out loved it um i love this kind of blake knows this is what i like this shit the traditional archetype affair of this kind of a thing and um i think one of the strengths this movie has is at the time someone like him was cast against type yeah you know it's like now he's in a lot of these kinds of movies at the time it was so he was in dark man but it's like when you see you know jimmy stewart putting him in a western the you know the, the anthony mann westerns in the 50s or even like guys like um Henry Fonda, you put a guy that you don't traditionally see in this kind of a role in there and fucking shit up, and you're like, this is awesome, you know, like you know, yeah. and and it's and it and it's uh, you like to call this movie what is it like a good script, right? You say not a perfect script, but it's just got it's it's. Pretty, I think I think it's pretty perfect. Actually. Okay, not not Back to the Future perfect <laughs> as I hold my right hand up or no? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's pretty it's pretty loose. Well, it's funny because loose, loose isn't tight, <laughs> you know. Before. Let me take a side, quick side here, uh, because I'll turn that machine off. Sorry. I think it's also. I also remember at this time, this was this movie came out around the same time as like X Men Origins Wolverine came out. Yes. Yeah, you're right. And if you recall, the only way I saw it, the Wolverine movie got leaked. Yeah. Without like all the effects done and. It got leaked, and it was a big deal. And then Wolverine came out in the theaters, and it didn't do as well as as anticipated. Because everybody had already by seen the it. Studios. And everybody said the studios blamed the fact that it leaked for the reason why it didn't do well. And I submit to you, Exhibit A. Exhibit <laughs> A! This movie came out around the same time, maybe even the same year, I think, as that. Taken had leaked online like a year ahead of time. At least six months. Because it was made in Europe, and maybe it came out in Europe first. It, it, yeah, it came out in the. F- this came out in like January or February of two thousand nine, and it was already out in the cinema in the fall of two thousand eight overseas. Yeah, so it had, it had for months. It had leaked online, like screeners yeah. of it, not even just like crappy. And so a lot of people saw it that way, and yet this movie was a hit. And the, and that I think the leak was also the director's cut. Yeah. The international cut, you know, m- like other Luc Besson movies, although he didn't direct this, uh, you know. So w- I think people who saw that screener also saw the, you know, it's just, it's not anything crazy. No, it's, it's just, just a like, little more footage. Yeah, you know, you know more, a little more fights. A little more fights, <laughs> blood, and, and gunshots. But so I, I say, 
The reason why Wolverine you submit to me, and if you, okay, like I'm I Wolverine Origin X Men Origins Wolverine's is fine. There's actually things about it that I like. I do too. Fine. But but had it been better, <coughs> I think it would have done better. And because this movie is awesome, and it leaked, <laughs> and yet it did great. And because I think people were like, "That movie was awesome. I'll go see that in the theater." Or like, "Oh, I saw that. It's awesome. You yeah. should go see it." And I also think that it was still at the time where people were still, you know, I feel like maybe I'm just speaking for myself that it, you know, it's it's there's it, we're in a different era of going to the movies. Yeah, where 2008 or nine, people were still like you just said. I saw a screener of it. It was great. I'll still go pay and see it in the theater. Yeah, yeah. You know, we weren't into yet having instant everything. You know, you, the only thing we had was Netflix in the mail. You know, you know by disc. So people were still um, ready, willing, and able to go and spend their money and sit in the movie theater. Sure. Yeah. Now going back to your point about how I feel about the script, I think it's funny that some of the critics some of the criticisms of this were like um taken as an undeniably fun with slick action but it's largely a largely a brainless exercise mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the cri- criticisms of was that it was it felt like some kind of like film exercise and not a movie quote has nothing more on its mind than dozens of bad guys getting beat up and another one turned into an instant roadkill <laughs> <laughs> and i say like you know what? Like, that, really, if you look at like a large chunk of Hitchcock's movies, they were just like an exercise in suspense. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, and I think this is a perfect example of critics are assholes. Like well, I like to th- say, <laughs> <laughs> critics are a lot of critics are assholes. But like, that's what I love about this movie. Is it's in a way it's so calculated. It, it's it's so tight. It's not pretentious. One of my favorite. Saying it's tight as a drum. This movie. Yeah, I thought you were gonna go someplace else. <laughs> tight. I was like, wait, this is a family show. So we have uh, for people that haven't seen it. Yeah, I would suggest seeing it because it's a whole lot of fun. We're doing Taken this week from two thousand eight or nine. So that thank, Taken for two thousand eight or nine, directed by Pierre Morel. Yeah, who was a cameraman and DP turned director by Luc Besson. Apparently Luc Besson had a knack for finding people that were good. Yeah. At, that could direct and just giving them the opportunity. Yeah. This is a time uh, Luc Besson has been on the show before because we did Fifth Element. Yep. Uh, and will be on the show again at some point because we will do the professional. Leon. Or, or Leon. Yeah. <laughs> no, Matilda. I won't have sex with you. At some point. Yes. Uh, so he produced this movie and at the time that this movie came out it was like Transporter had come out. He was trying to be the movie mogul in Europe. Yeah. He wanted to p- basically be like a studio and just dish out these awesome action movies. Yes. And this is where you're getting at this guy's directorial debut. Yeah. And he did uh, a movie called, was it uh, B-13 or District 13, depending yeah. on where it, you are. Yeah. Yeah. I think in Europe it might be called B-13 here. I think it's called District 13, and which is a really cool action and movie. And you and a, f- a former professor of ours both hit me to that movie, where it's doing that crazy... Um, what do they call that? Free walking, I guess. Freestyle walking. That, yeah. You know, it's all those stuff where you see, like, at the beginning of the Casino Royale movie with Daniel Craig, where he's, you know, they're they're running up the stuff yeah, and they're jumping. Oh, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? It has a lot those of that like parkour in it. or whatever. Yeah, and it's and it's stuff you see in the to a certain extent. I think in the later Bourne movies, you know, where people are jumping and doing, you know, and and you see a little of it in this movie. Yeah. You know, so I think that's another reason why, which we could talk about, is that when new audiences saw it, it's kind of. It's doing something that movies aren't really doing yet. 
Yeah, so this Pierre Morel was a he was a cameraman on the <coughs> transporter, and he, I believe he was the DP. If not, he was definitely on the camera crew for Unleashed, which is another movie we'll probably do at some point. Cause yes, because you love that movie. And it's a movie that has come up a few times on yes. this uh, podcast. Um, well, because I always talk about my Bob Hoskins story. <laughs> the day I carried Bob Hoskins around like Yoda in my backpack. And of course, it was produced by Luke Besson. Yeah. And it was written by Luke Besson and Robert Mark Kamen. Who's been on the show before. I was going to say, do you know... Jesus, for he, which it's a movies. laundry list. I know, he's going to be... Uh, he got, probably already is Sleepover Gold for, for the... For, <laughs> but, Hall of but Fame. most... Um, uh, for us specifically, I think the reason why he was on was because last year we covered um, the original, mind you, uh, Karate Kid. But uh, he did, what is he, he wrote the Karate Kid? He wrote the Karate Kid, yeah. And then, he and wrote then also, all the Karate Kid. He wrote all the Karate Kids. He also wrote The Fifth Element. With, 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 with Luke Besson. I mean, this guy is probably, we should probably just stop the cost down and just inaugurate him in <laughs> if he he did, taps. If we didn't do this last time, we should do it now. We're going to do a quick uh, sum up of what he done. Like, like it's the Oscar, like you see. There's like one the other movie he did for us. Um, he did Taps, Karate Kid, Karate Kid 2. This is, I'm sorry, written in screenplay, or either screenplay or written by. Karate Kid 3, the Karate Kid cartoon show, Power of One. Come on. Power of One. Lethal Weapon 3. Uh, Gladiator, which is the boxing movie with uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. <laughs> uh, the next Karate Kid. You talking about a walk in the clouds for us? No, he I'm did that about our first episode. He did. Did he do the? Oh, he did. did he, he produced the Punisher, and I think he rewrote the Punisher. Script. I thought. I thought. I. Um, I thought. I thought. I saw a pretty cat. I, <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw something. He did the Fifth Element. Let me round this out. A Kiss of Death, which you like with uh, um, Jet Li. Yeah, <clears> it's not <throat> my favorite Jet Li movie, but yeah, sure, I like that movie. Uh, Transporter. Uh, Transporter Two. Uh, Transporter 3, he did the Taken, he did the remake of uh, Karate Kid, uh, Taken 2, uh, Taken 3, Taken Some everybody. Some of the Karate Kid stuff he might have he just had co- credit for, like, the Oh, I see, okay, but. you're right, because the new Cobra Kai, it's based on characters. And then he did the Taken TV series, uh, based on characters, you're right. So this guy's done a whole lot of he doesn't have credit for writing, I think he did do some writing on Unleashed. And I think, um, there's Luke Besson somehow attached, to, you just said that, to, to Transporter movies? To transport the movies, them, yeah. okay. Because that those, and, are, he, and I think the guy who directed the first transport movie was another instance where Lupusan found him and did him, and was like, you know what, I'll give you a movie. Like, why yeah. don't you direct this? And that's basically a remake of a movie we'll talk about in a future episode, the the the, the driver. But uh, great series there, and those were huge. Me and you saw what the second one in the theater. I think me and you saw um, yeah, Transporter Two with Aaron. I think I saw. I might have seen them all in the theater, but yeah. So, so Passan is looking to do a little film company. He gets this guy, and this guy um, um, directs, we said, District 13. He gets uh, the writer, uh, Kamen, who we've just in, in, yeah, in, who, indicted who into. Who the, I think indicted, they've worked in, together like eight or nine times. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, Mark Paul Gossler. No, Robert and, Mark. <laughs> holy shit. <laughs> and, then, and at the time, Passan is still coming off of like, you know, the Professional was huge. Uh, La Femme Nikita was huge. Uh, they turned that into a TV show. They remade La Femme Nikita over here, which I'm sure he produced or executive produced called Put in a Return. Uh, Fifth Element was huge over here. So the transporters were huge. So he was getting some notoriety in these in these things. Oh, yeah. He was big by then yeah. here. I mean, he was definitely a name. Yeah. You know, I remember, you know, you'd be like, oh, he wrote, it was written by Lupus Sun. Like, oh, that could be cool. Yeah, it's going to be awesome because uh, certainly when we saw The Professional, that had a whole different look to it, a feel. I remember the music in it, very stylized. And I'm not even talking about the, the you know, the fifth element with the futureness, yeah. but just the style of his cinematography, the fight scenes, the montages. So, like, when you get this movie, this movie is basically, it's a French movie, 
but it's 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 kind of like what they used to do in the old days with the spaghetti westerns. You know, we'll go shoot them in Spain or whatever, and you get yeah. you're gonna get a couple American, you know, or, or English speaking actors as your principals. Yeah, and then you're gonna dub everything else, and you're probably gonna shoot it very inexpensively. And then they're like, sure, you know, like you know, and then so you, you th- this is how this movie gets done. You get Liam Neeson. Yeah. Now apparently, Bassan had met somewhere and was talking to either a police officer or some other French person in law enforcement and they got talking and somehow the conversation came around to this idea of like oh we just busted up this like f- sex trafficking ring yeah and he was telling Luke Passan about it and Luke Passan was all like oh really well can tell me about it. you know he was fascinated but he thought it was really interesting well that's the scary thing about this and this that, is actually real and that he was th- so he was telling him like what was going on and how and then so Luke Passan went to uh, Robert Mark came in and was like, you know, get a load of this. Yeah. <laughs> they just busted up the sex thing, and this is how it worked, and this is how they ended up busting up. I think we should write a, a movie about it. Yeah. So then they were talking about a movie of like, okay, so a girl gets kidnapped. Yeah. And she's going to be forced into sex slavery. This, yeah, which is a huge thing in the world now, this so, sex slave. Like, what? what's the story? Is it her story? Like, no, what if she has a dad? <laughs> you know, we'll be go Death Wish on this shit. Yeah, like we're gonna Paul Cursing the shit out of this, <laughs> and but then we're gonna turn it into like an eighties <laughs> after school movie. <laughs> and he has a dad with a particular set of skills. Yeah, Alan Thick. No, 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 no. <laughs> two two eighties da- TV dad, and he's gonna come and and fuck shit up. Yeah, and that's kind of like the origin. Of well, it. Th- this, this is what I like about this movie. I mean, at, around the same time, you had the remake of Man on Fire come out with Denzel Washington and. Um, uh, uh, Michael Tony Scott, Tony Scott, yeah. You know what I mean? That's a, one of these movies where like a girl gets kidnapped that he he's taking care of. He's gonna go, and you always have these. And that's a remake of an '80s movie with Joe Pesci and Scott Glenn, right? The, the, the actor from the Right Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in the Keep in the Keep, exactly. <laughs> um, in the, was the Vertical uh, Limit. Uh, 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 <laughs> what's the name of that movie? The, the Signs of the Lambs. Do any in there? He's, he's the, the, in the FBI. The Daredevil TV show. He's in the Daredevil TV show. You're right. Yeah, season two maybe. Um, so I don't know. I went off on Scott Glenn. <laughs> and so because this movie would have been awesome with Scott Glenn. <laughs> yeah, would have been like a blind Scott Glenn. Uh, but that's basically what the first Man on Fire is. He plays the Denzel Washington character in his handler, which in the remake is. Uh, Chris Walken is Joe Pesci. So, but in this movie, this this follows in this tradition of movies like uh, Jesus. You have a, a great movie, John Borsman movie called uh, Point uh, Point Break. I see, see, I'm saying it wrong. Point Blank mm-hmm. uh, with Lee Marvin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, was remade into um, that Mel Gibson. Movie, Mel right? Gibson movie called uh, 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 Oh my God. Uh, the, what's the? It's the James Big Payback. Payback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that Boersman is the guy who ends up discovering Lee, uh, Liam Neeson because he sees him while he was doing some sort of play maybe in Ireland and casts him for Excalibur. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, there's a, the, a movie, uh, Coogan's Bluff, uh, Clint Eastwood, uh, late 60s. You have Prime Cut, another great Lee Marvin movie with Gene Hackman, which is about sex slavery where Sissy, Space, Sissy Spacek, yeah. where uh, Lee um Gene Hackman owns a cattle ranch down south, but he's also like, you know, sending people to meat grinders and he's got. Meat grinder. Meat grinder. He dropped us on a meat grinder. It's a a bunch of bullshit (laughs) out of it. 
Uh, he's got girls in like little cages, and he's selling them like cattle, sure. like in the sex oh, yeah, slavery. Hardcore. You have hardcore. And, um, Jersey Scott's kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. You have the Yakuza, which is a great. Um, maybe Sidney Lament, or is it Sidney? Um, Pollock, but it's Robert One Mitchum. One of the Sydneys. One of the Sydneys. And Mitchum has to go. Uh, he's a private eye, but he has to go help a friend get their their daughter or son back from the Yakuza in Japan. So there's always this great idea of like uh, um, another one, um, Brennigan, which is a um, a uh, what's his name movie, uh, which is actually very good. Uh, John Wayne, like maybe a year or two before he died, seventy five, uh, in the Bronson's movies in the seventies, and even to the point where us Commando, you know, sure, eighty five, yeah. same kind of like this. So it, this follows in like this tradition of these simple plot this is what's going to happen you know and it's just how they execute it that ends up being you know masterfully done and i think the the interesting about thing about this is liam neeson says that one of the reasons why they considered getting jeff bridges to do the movie i think he'd even signed out but for some reason he dropped off or dropped out liam neeson only signed up for it because one he wanted to do some more physical stuff than he's been doing physically demanding you think at this time Liam Neeson was born in 1952, so he was 50 in 2002, so he's 55 when he's doing this. That gets back to Bronson. A lot of people don't realize, if you look at Charles Bronson's career, he really became huge in the late 60s into the 70s. I mean, he was a name, but like, yeah, the person we but know. he had been around for a long time. Exactly, from the 50s or so. He was but in uh, House of Wax. House of Wax with his real name, like, uh, he, uh uh, Charles Bukowski—I forget what his last name is—but <laughs> in the in the seventies, when he's doing the movies we know we know and love, like Death Wish, Mister Majestic, all those movies, he uh, the Hard Times—he's in his fifties, yeah. you know. And and you look at the guy bare knuckle boxing, boxing in Hard Times, Walter Hill—he's got no shirt on. The guy's jacked, and he's you know he's in his mid fifties. So yeah. it's like it's interesting you get guys of that age then having a career in action. Like Liam Neeson does here, so they cast Liam Neeson. He doesn't even think the movie's going to come out. He thinks it's just going to be a direct-to-video. Yeah, he's thinking it'll be a nice like side. Project. Yeah, I get to do. I get to spend four months in Paris, you know, on a trip for free. You know, he at the time was still married to um, what's her face, Richardson, Natasha Richardson. She ends up passing away like only a couple months after this movie comes out in that yeah, yeah. skiing accident, you know, that happened. Uh, so he he signs on to this movie, and I think at the time what really helped with this is that it is that against type. You don't know Liam Neeson so much, and that's sometimes funner. It's almost like casting an unknown. If you yeah. could do it, it's like the idea, I think, going back to like Michael Keaton and Batman. Oh, you know, he's a comedian. How can he do it? Or, you know, all these other, I'm sure, examples you can come up with. Um, you know, Heath Ledger is the Joker. You know, where it's like, you know, we've never seen him in that turn of sure. kind of a role. And that's what I think also makes the movie pr- uh, well, yeah, because a lot of these like CIA types probably are just look like regular dudes. Like they don't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or Stallone. No. You know? um, I where I work at my day job, I encounter a lot of Secret Service and a lot, of, and I become like a Travis Bingle where I come up to him and talk to him like, "What do you what, what do you what, what gun are you carrying? What do you got under there?" And you see these guys, and I'm I'm kind of I've been around it for so many years I can kind of pick out you can see sometimes by how they stand under their suit jacket they have all this equipment on they have machine guns guns they have vests you know all kind of stuff so you can have like a they have like a gate while they walk and what they're wearing with their shoes and all that kind of a thing but you're right these guys are just you know uh, they make it look a little different. I mean, they do have a look sometimes. It's like you know, they may be older, but they're jacked, but they're sinewy in a way. You know, they sure. don't. You know, like you're saying, they're not like a Stallone or Schwarzenegger, like yeah, that. Yeah. But they just look like a normal guy. And then, like, it's funny. You think these guys, like Israeli Secret Service, some of those, the, one of the some of the most bad asses in the world, they can fuck some shit up if shit goes down. Yeah. You know, and it's I don't know how uh, much of a leap it is that they're going to be doing like fucking you know uh, not Jean Kundo, but I forget what the martial art this is here. Um, uh, 
Nagatsu Do, maybe I think it's called or something. But it's like it's not a it's not a very far leap that these some of these guys who do this special op shit have these yeah. abilities. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think one of the great things about this movie is that Liam Neeson isn't an action star. At, the, at this point. At that point. Yeah. I mean, he just looks like a regular dude. Sure, he's like seven feet tall, but you don't really get yeah. that perspective It's funny <laughs> in a movie. Our, a friend of ours that we've brought up once in a while on the podcast, Matt Garrison, who's a, a jazz saxophone player that we went to college with, his parents, he's from upstate New York, Poughkeepsie, and where his parents live, and evidently Liam Neeson lives around there. So they used to tell me right around this movie or before that they'd see him up there, like they'd go to like the local grocery store, which is kind of not like a... Um, a uh, uh, what do you call that? Like a, it's not like a stop and shop or like a, a big big like a franchise. Yeah, it's it's just a little like you know like a fresh stop shop where they get like you know they get the fresh food from over here this farm yeah, over yeah, here and like they would the see him in there market. like excuse me you know getting their, <laughs> getting their grapes or their I like that avocado you know so but, yeah, yeah so they'd see him a lot up there but yeah it's it was just a, it's a great turn for him and the other thing about this is that. At the time, a lot of reasons why the movies that we've mentioned that are like the classics that are done well is that there's a new way of doing them too. Like, um, you know, the first time you see stuff like this. And this was a kind of idea, you think of a movie like this, where we, we had the big action spectacles of what the 80s and 90s or the 70s, more of the 80s and 90s where it's just like completely overboard. You know, yeah. like the Schwarzenegger fair or the, the Stallone fair. When you get into the 90s, into the 2000s, movies are getting more realistic for, for maybe because it's post 9-11 for whatever reason. Yeah. So you're getting the Bo- Jason Bourne movies. You're getting movies like that. So when you have a movie like this and the action in it, the action, and then, the, <laughs> yeah. you know... It, it, that it, and it feels very different because it does have a very European yeah. feel to it. Not of just course. because of the location, but because uh, morale, the director, has, was coming from shooting action films for Luc Besson. So he, you know, even though he wasn't shooting this movie, he had a sense of like how it needed to be shot, what he needed. And yeah. so it has a very European feel to it. Which, which is not gives, a bad thing. Which gives it a, just a different flavor than I think, you know, the kinds of stuff that we were used to in terms of action movies up yeah. to that point. Certainly when I saw um, The Professional or Leon in the mid-90s or whenever that came out, that had a, uh, such a unique style that stood out from the other action fair at the time that were yeah. you know domestically for us in the states. Yeah. Uh, well, this you know, go, talking about the script of this movie, I think what's you know why it works so well. Of course, like the first act mm-hmm. is really mostly exposition. I feel like this movie could be one of those movies like you take Alien, where it's it's, and this is not a a, a criticism, but it's a it's a B movie script. Sure, but it's done in an A level way. Like a- Alien could have been a terrible Roger Corman movie, and I'm not, you know, slagging any either one of those parties <laughs> off. Yeah, yeah. But it, because Ridley Scott took it and treated it like it's going to be a gazillion dollar project with this movie, it's like this movie could have been just some weird movie with like you know uh, Michael Dudikoff well, or yeah. somebody. You know I what mean, I mean? You th- but you also think of all those movies, you know, maybe because. You know, maybe because you have star power like Clint Eastwood, but a lot of those. Oh yeah, they're just they're, they're be. I mean, they're yeah. really be. They're genre pictures. Movies. Yeah, they're yeah. genre pictures. That then that and the only reason they're doing well is because you either have uh, a, a lead in it that's doing something good. You know that that that's going to sell the picture, or it's because you know it's it's going to transcend the genre. 
And so, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, no, both not of at us all. Are a huge fan of this is John. That's, that's some <laughs> of my bread and butter. That's some of this more of the stuff I, I, I've been suggesting us pushing to do on the show. That kind of fair. It's like this is the stuff that, like, you know, it's 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 for a purpose. It's 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 escapism and another form of escapism, and it's great. It's shit I love. And you know? I, like you know, when we talked about that, you brought up Back to the Future because I talked about how much I love that script and. Like this movie, also, like I think this is an exercise, yeah, in suspense, in storytelling, yeah, a certain style. Well, you said the reason the first act is ex- exposition. The reason I brought up it's B, uh, a kind of a B script is because it's funny because the first half is very like crossing your eyes and dotting your t's, yeah, crossing like your what? t's and dotting your eyes, <laughs> you know, of like you know his cliched friends, that, yeah, it. you know, I mean, like all the stuff you need to set up of of the, the his day to day, the you know his, the relationship with his wife and his daughter, his friends who just serve no other purpose except to give you the shit to, to spit exposition to him, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, you it's know. funny because I I just re- was recently writing something for a, a project that has to do with Edgar Allan Poe, okay. And uh, in doing so, I did a lot of research, and Poe had this theory of writing, which was, I think he called the unity of effect. And it was like any great story, any, for any story to really work, the writer has to first figure out the ending, how's it going to end, and then yeah, and what effect are you trying to portray, like what are you trying to get across to the reader? And then every decision that the writer makes from that point has to be driving the story to those goals, to that ending, every word chosen. I mean, he's talking about in literature, not in a movie. And also, we have to credit, where credit is due, Edgar Allan Poe invented the detective. Yeah, the you know, detective this story is, as we think of it today, the Edgar Allan, I mean, the uh, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Conan Doyle, all that all that kind of stuff. Uh, Agatha Christie, this all came out of, I forget the the, 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 the guy's name, but I think it's Murders of the Room Org. I think it was Dumont. Yeah, but that's character. that's a, it's an American invention. People forget that Edgar Allan Poe in the 1860s, maybe. You know, so that's interesting. That bit of tidbit of him talking about writing that way. Yeah. So like this idea of like you have to figure out where you're going, and then every decision has to be driving us towards that. You know, for instance, in in one and many, you know, people don't realize that he only wrote like 12 horror stories, terror stories. Edgar Allan Poe, yeah. yeah. Out of the over 100 things he wrote, only 12 of them were like horror, but that's what we know him for. But in those things, like the effect is suspense. He's trying to, or horror, and that's the effect that he's trying to, you know, portray to the reader. I think, you know, this is, I think, take it as a good example of, okay, we have the concept, you know, sex trafficking, a daughter's taken, the father wants to get her back, the ending is he finds her he saves her you know and And there's a clock and what goes along with all that and how do we maximize suspense and i think this script like step by step and you're like okay we need to establish the character so like the first you know 20 minutes of this movie like i said is exposition we we find that he has a daughter we've realized that he's divorced we realize that he hasn't been around we realize that he has these friends who are like, oh, Mr. Detail. Yeah. You know? <laughs> okay, he's detail-oriented. When we see him wrap the present, it's meticulous. Yeah. The corners are, you know, the edges are perfect. Okay, this guy is a guy that pays attention to detail. Through the, we find, okay, security. Because he, they ask him to do a security job. We see him slightly in action with the singer. Everything is like, okay, we're, we have to know who this guy is. So that when it, when the, it click and he has to put into action. We buy it. Yeah, and the idea of 
you know, it's no, it's no coincidence that so many of these movies that you're taught that you brought up before are like a daughter or a child doesn't even have to be a daughter, but a child being taken or hurt, yeah, or because it's something that even though we like we don't or have family children, being messed with something, you know, even though we don't have a children, like it's something that we totally relate to. Of course, it's instant. Like, oh, okay, like that's we know the power of a parent's love because we all, you know, unfortunately some of us are orphans or whatever, (laughs) but the majority of us have lived with parents or we have this idea, we have an understanding of what that means. So when this happens, it's like, okay, instantaneously, like it's, it's primordial. Yeah. This is, we just discussed half of the beginning of Stephen, uh, Stephen Seagal's camp. (laughs) Yeah, you mess with his family, whatever, like that, and then he's got to well, go. I always said, if you, you know, if you're in like uh, our last action hero, mm-hmm. like you're in a movie and you realize you're in a movie, like yeah. this is movie movie tropes are in existence <clears throat> yeah. in this world. One thing you do not do is even go near Charles Bronson's daughter. No, you do not want anything. <laughs> you to steer have clear. You don't want any chance. Yeah, because that's not even just the Death Wish movies. You're going to my daughter. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> That's like that's like half of his catalog. Yeah, you fuck with my family. Okay, I'm going after you. Yeah. So one, bam, we got that. That that we understand totally relatable when that happens. We, we get it. Child or family two, member, his yeah. buddy's like, you got 96 hours to find her. Yeah, an analyst or what? Yeah, she's gone forever. forever. Yeah, 96 hours from the minute she was taken. So we're already lost like eight hours. Fuck. Now she the the um. If you haven't seen this, uh, she wants to go on a vacation with a friend to Paris. They're in L.A. He's very begrudgingly because he's like, I know what it's like out there in the world. You know, <laughs> yeah. uh, he with his Ulster English, you know. Yeah. And then um, from us in New York, Paris is six hours ahead. But from them, it's nine hours ahead. So you're, oh, what yeah. you're getting what you're saying is once she gets over there, we realize that she lied to him a little bit because she's a little girl. They're going to go on a backtracking trip to follow, like, what is it, Fish? Or, no, they're following that, that YouTube. Even, YouTube. Yeah, okay, I was going to say Fish or, like, Grateful Dead. If I w- uh, Okay, I'll let you finish before I... But then, so then once she gets taken, he's already nine hours behind the eight ball because he's got to fly. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a... Fly for, I don't know. It's a six-hour flight from New York to, to England, but, although you're going with the wind. So if you're going from L.A., yeah. Well, even though he he did get a uh, a private jet, is I don't know if they, I don't think they're going to be going any faster per se. But he yeah. doesn't have to worry about like going through like baggage claim and like you know your flight's delayed and uh, yeah, open that bag again, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I'm probably assuming that most of you have seen this movie. Yeah. Uh, so that's basically the if premise. I was going to give one criticism, if criticism of what what I don't like about the movie, what yeah. I don't think completely works is she. I don't know because the daughter. the daughter, because she's clearly not seventeen. Mm, yeah, um, it, it she feels like too immature. Well, you know what? So I, it's a little. She's always running to people. Well, my, like, <laughs> well, my my reading of it was that if you look at her clothing, she kind of seems like she's a little more. Uh, on this autism spectrum, yeah, well, I was gonna say, you know, she because she like has like she's wearing like slow. she's wearing like you know very um, uh, clothes that her age type might not wear. They're very younger for her age, and I wonder if very it's conservative, just like a European, you know. Uh, then they they had the actress. She had to learn how to run a certain way because she wanted she had to run like a little girl would run. So they 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 did everything they could to really just. Make that relationship be very about the the father daughter, where she's very like even the choices she's making, 
you know, she's like, she's no matter, even though she's her of that age, and you would think that she wouldn't be, she'd have an issue with, um, uh, you know, I leave me alone, I can do what I want because I'm, she's still like the daddy daughter relationship is still supersedes everything. Yeah, you know, I'm still daddy's girl. Don't worry, daddy. I'm gonna call you whenever you want. I'm gonna every hour on the hour. I'm gonna fucking call you from yeah nine hours it away. Does, I, know. My point is like I don't know something about it seems. Like you said, she's on some kind of spectrum. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. You're not a criticism. No, it's just it's, it's just it's an just observation. It's a little. It just feels a little yeah. weird in the context of this. I mean, she and wants if to she be was a, like even her mom. I don't know if her mom would let her go to here. Yeah, and, her, her, <laughs> and her best friend is uh, was her Katie Cassidy. Yeah, who was David Cassidy's like illegitimate daughter, but has now had a career. She was on Arrow, and uh, this is one of the first things I remember seeing her in. Um, she was in the remake of uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. But she's like clearly like the popular girl. Well, she's also her she's age. nineteen. You know, she's she's she knows what she's doing. I mean, she's like she she she's the age of nineteen where she's listening to Britney Spears. She's listening yeah, to yeah. you know, where this other girl seems like she's like hasn't got out of the house that much. And you know And so the the other thing, aside from that, is that they're gonna go follow you too. Yeah. Which is like, was this movie been sitting in the in a in a in a drawer since nineteen eighty eight? I guess. I mean, at the time, I mean, there, YouTube is freaking. There's but well, it's, I mean, it's, it's. I think those are some of those things that I think might be the European thing that feels a little bit weird for us as an American audience. Yeah, because I just don't imagine that like a seventeen year old girl, even in two thousand nine, would be following. Would want to go follow you two around? Well, cause it's, it's funny. I will. Can see to you that I know people that are our age that love you two, like you oh, know, sure. they, then they follow them, they will go to the. But sh- they got shows. into you two when they were seventeen. Yeah, when you two was popular. Yeah, that's like following Dave Matthews Band around now. So now it's like them now. I think they were they were probably just trying to find a band that was very popular that both sides of the pond would know. Yeah, uh, at the time, and you can't really. I mean, maybe what's the um, the one that everyone loves? Uh, the damn it, the one that that does all that. The, forget the name of that band damn it but people love the, the damn thing but like yeah i think they're trying to find u2's you know bono everybody fucking knows. he's been around <laughs> so you know but it's in the, but it's even well, i don't the know the funny thing is like dude they don't even need to have that element but who cares why she's going to europe what yeah. if she was just going to go to museums she's yeah. still going to get taken well i guess the whole thing is that, that she was lying to something. yeah and then it's like she's afraid of what daddy's gonna do or say um so Right before this, like you're saying, the backstory, we start to learn a little about Liam Neeson's character. He's got some sort of CIA history. Um, he gets a job um, being bodyguarding for a, a pop singer. Um, her name in real Shira. life is uh, what's <laughs> her name? Character she- name Shira. Shira, like the like the the, uh, the star, like Princess of the Power. Holly Holly, Holly Valens. So Valens. she was a um, an Aussie actress who got her start in Neighbors, which was an Australian. Um, sitcom or like a like a soap opera in the day and uh holly valens had a singing career in 2002 she came out and did a song called kiss kiss which was very popular in england i don't know or or europe i don't know if it ever came over here and uh she you know at the time is kind of i i feel like this this has even been dated because we've, we've been put into like maximum overdrive in the past 10 or 15 years but it's like back then she was like supposed to be like a christina aguilera sure or a, you know or britney spears and this kind of a pop thing so it's Weird because I had only seen this movie once in 2009, loved it then, but it's like it got to the point in my life where it's like I, I, I rarely rewatch movies yeah, because yeah. I'm trying to just keep up with everything Whereas that's I've out. I've seen this movie like 22 <laughs> Well, 
so when I go back and watch it now, it's it's funny just out of the blue, this guy trying to kill her. Like there's a guy standing there, like he got yeah. past security with the knife and he, you know. But I didn't realize was there ever maybe this is the reason why she has a security team? Did they ever establish that she had a credible threat against her life or this is just this is a random attack that I don't know. Could be yeah. random. I mean, a lot of people, you hear a lot about oh, stalkers. Course. Yeah, look at John Lennon. You didn't even know before it was going to happen. So it's interesting. So this happens, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, he's indebted to her. I like that. And he's like, my, my daughter wants to sing. And she's like, okay, I'll hook it up for you. And then, it, so then we get to the point where it's right before that, where he goes to the to her it's her birthday party uh meet the girls are like the rinkiest yeah thing. which is to him is it's a lot of money it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a it's a karaoke I mean, machine it's a, it's she wants to be a singer thing, yeah you know. my i've always been in love with and i still plan to marry one day famka jansen's and you know she's there <laughs> gorgeous she's like Don't 60 years wife, old that. i know i know i know I mean, i've told her many times you're, you're, you're gone as soon as famka says yes to me um she's there the husband we brought up uh, Xander. Yeah, uh, Berkeley. And, and I forgot we just brought him up because what he's we, in every movie ever. Oh, you know why? I, this year was because I said we did the Jackie Chan movie um, for Kung Fu February, and I said the 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 bad guy in that looked like a poor man Xander um, Berkeley. Yeah, and you and like, I've yeah. always said back when back when Ke- the Kevin Bacon thing was a big thing. The, the, the six, six degrees. degrees yeah. You can substitute Xander. I was like, what, like, if you could just get to Xander Berkeley, you're good. Like, then you can get anywhere. Yeah. He's like, just in. figure out what movie somebody's in with Xander Berkeley and then yeah. you have a direct connection to anybody. And <laughs> for people who don't know, most recently he's been in the Walking Dead series. Uh, I forget what person he plays, but he was the head of that community that was living, like, yeah. you know, that was dealing with um, Negan or whatever. But he's in everything. He's in Heat. He's in the, he shows up at, like, you know, any any place. So, But he's there. He's in Poison Ivy 2. He's, he's the father in Poison he's Ivy in 2. Sid and Nancy. He's in Sid and Nancy, yeah. Um, he's, he, and l- when you least expect him, he shows up. So he's the father in the movie. Very quickly you realize that, like, he's super, super rich. Liam Neeson brings over to, to his daughter, and, you know, they've got security there and all that kind of thing. He brings, like, he thinks he's an expensive president, which probably is for him. It's a karaoke machine because his daughter wants to be a singer. And she opens it up, loves it, but then fucking Xander outdoes him and gets her a fucking pony. Yeah, he's like, yeah. fuck. So he, I think he <laughs> takes the thing home. I had a memory that he threw it in the trash when he was I leaving. don't think so. But no, he didn't. But I've no, seen but the I, don't think, I think he leaves it there. I just don't Yeah, think. he's just like, fuck, he just throws it in the pool. You know? <laughs> but then very quickly, I don't like the, the, the kind of BSing like with Famke's doing. Like, yes, um, Liam is being a little overprotected for it. It's something I would say. I'm like, I'm not having her go unsupervised to Europe. That's not. But a lot of Europeans, this is another thing that American audiences might not know. This is normal for like Europeans. L- Europeans love to go on vacations, long weekend trips. We've talked about before. If you live like in England or whatever, it's very easy. You get on a plane for an hour and a half. You're in France. You're in Greece. You're in Spain. So it's 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 nothing for them to go on these excursions to foreign countries. Or us. I think it's a, it, it ta- takes a little more of a person here who are used to it. You know, it's a lot of people in America, it's a big thing for them to like leave their state, you yeah. know, or go to like, a, you know, New York City, quote unquote. So like for him, the girl... Well, it's a distance, you know. Yeah. It's just, that's the thing is like, you know, you take a, a place like England and it's like the size of Nebraska. I mean, Florida, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's not... There's, so you can go anywhere you want and you can get you can get very quickly to someplace else where here you can get in the car and drive for 12 hours. You're only getting to like Cincinnati. You know, but so here they kind of lie to him, and I feel like Famke Jansen's also a bit She's of a bitch. She's in on it, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, we have like the because the conceit is sorry to cut you off is that she's seventeen, not eighteen yet, uh, and he's. I guess the legal guardian because they have joint custody. She needs Liam's right off as well to to for take her to be able to travel. Yes, a, a abroad. Overseas. Yeah. yeah, abroad. Okay. Uh, you know, of course, we have. He's off 
he has tw- 30 years or whatever of job experience. Yeah, special ops shit. And he's traveling all over the world for business. Yeah, but he stopped know? doing that most recently but because he put his he sidelined his career to be closer to his daughter probably because the marriage fell apart to Famkin Jansen. Yeah. And plus she's probably going to go to college <coughs> soon. I think that's brought up. He's like, "You know, she's going to be going to college." You know, got a year with her. You know, got he's like, "Well, that's why, you know, that's I why I'm here to get, you're going <coughs> to lose her in a year." He's like, "Well, I, I only I, I have a year to get to get her." Yeah. And we also lose through very subtle subtext that Famkin Jansen it's not like the marriage went bad because they were having problems they still love each other but it was because he was away and wasn't there for the she's yeah. like I need a husband that's with us well that's what I mean yeah. it's like whatever bad blood they have between them is because he was gone he was absent the job quote unquote <laughs> yeah you know and it's an apparent and it, I think it's pretty clear that she doesn't really know the extent of what he was doing yeah, she, I don't think she probably told him. He, he's a military you contractor, know, and, maybe. But and the, the daughters, you know, she's like, you know, I used to ask mom what you did for a living. And she said, ask your father. But then when you came home, I was too afraid to ask you. And he's like, why? And she says something along the lines of, because I was like, I guess I was afraid that I wouldn't like it or it would have been bad or something. He's like, oh, you're probably right. <laughs> and, she's like, and he's like, well, I was, she's like, what well, were you, some kind of spy or something? He's like, well, I was more of a preventer. I yeah, I like says. that. He says, I'm a quote-unquote preventer. He prevents things from happening. Like, so well, and she's like, from who? He's like, bad, you know, bad people. Yeah. So, so it was a good job. And he's like, yeah, it was a good job. Yeah, and I, you wonder if it, if it gets kind of, was he a killer? Was he like, you know, who, you know, that's a little ambiguous, but we don't know. But I agree with you. The first act does a beautiful job, sets shit up, all exposition. This is what's happening. So you get to the thing where she, he agrees, he acquiesces. Okay, you could travel, call me, whatever. And then he doesn't find out to like they're at the fucking airport. He, you know, he looks at the, the map and he's like, "You fucking, you're <laughs> doing a good job of concealing." Yeah, that. you're going over the places, you know, because he's he's got a really thick Irish accent. And she's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Oh, okay." And then Family Jess is like, "Don't fuck this up. <laughs> yeah, fuck, it's all about you." And he's like, "I'm just trying to help my daughter." He's like, "If you," he just said, "Like if you knew, yeah, the kind of shit that I've seen." Yeah, you outside know, of this country and inside this country, probably. Yeah, and this is and this is a story where it's like I'm the kind of guy that worries. Like I'm always talking about with my wife. She she's traveled the world before she met me, and she wants to go back to these places. And I'm like, you went to Egypt 20 years ago. I wouldn't trust myself going. And I sound like a worrywart. People yeah. do this all the time. But I was like, I'd rather go with somebody who knows the area, knows the things, is a preventor. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, yeah. I'd rather feel much better traveling with a third person who can you know be the guy that's holding the candle. But still, you know. Well, I think, you know, from a thematic point of view, what's going on in this script, I think it's pretty interesting and probably deeper than mo- than some people even think about. Basically, he, like you said, he sidelined his career so that he could be closer to his daughter. And he's essentially pretend- trying to be something he's not to gain her affection and win her over. Like, he's not this, like, domestic guy who goes shopping for karaoke machines. He's he's not not that he's pretending, but he's trying to, you know, like, what do they say? A, a tiger can't lose its stripes or whatever. Yeah, he's <laughs> you know? trying. Like, he's trying to be something he's not because he realizes that, like, he has to be if he's ever going to have her. Because like, have a, a relationship with her. I think he, he probably realized very quickly that he's in that window with children were you know a lot of times when the kids hit like puberty 13 14 you start having problems and there's arguing maybe mom and the daughter but he's got to still try to 
uh, increase this bond enough because when she hits college, she becomes she's almost an adult, you know. Yeah. And then she goes lives her life, so he still wants to make up for all the years he's lost being away. Probably, you know, putting her through school and all. You know, he was probably making crazy money, you know. And Famkin Jansen leaves him for somebody else who's making crazy loot who owns businesses and stuff like that. So. I think at some point there must have been some sort of argument, probably because the marriage dissolved, that he's like, listen, okay, yeah. I'm going to put my career, because he probably still has another five, ten years left, uh, and that's with his friends, all the guys that we know from all these other movies they're joking about, like, <laughs> you know, you have, you know, you have, and, and like, you know, you're doing, and, it's, and every question is like, you know, but you're doing it for your daughter, you know, they're, yeah, they're yeah. feeding him these lines, and he's like, but I have to make a good relationship with her. But my point you know? is like, we're clearly, she's seeing, we're seeing, because she's a teenage girl at this point, that, you know, the pony, she loves the stepdad. Not to say that the Xander Berkeley stepdad characters, but we don't really know anything about him. No, he seems like a nice guy. He seems like he's perfectly fine. You want to come fine. in? You don't want But uh, we have this guy who's, doing his best to be something that he's naturally not yeah. because for his daughter to like win over his daughter but we also get a little to save the cat where he brings the karaoke machine over we talked about throughout save the cat. this story and i'm skipping ahead to the end he ends up winning her over by being who he is by being the, by the, being the, 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 the animal yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and it's a very using the skills he it's knows. a very a touching moment for me when he breaks into the thing and the the sheik or whatever oh, has got her yeah, and he yeah, says yeah. we can go and then he gets shot he, him, yeah. he saves the daughter and she looks at him and she's crying she said you came for me yeah like that's that's her realizing the dad's over for the here. first time yeah that like she has this father that loves her i think yeah and she goes like and then she repeats she hugs him she says you came for me he's like well i told you i would yeah and that's i'm getting goosebumps yeah. <laughs> but it's all about keeping yeah it's all about keeping your word you, you know, know but you know, the love it took he had to it it's just that the this know, look, not everybody's situation. gonna be in a situation not everybody's that kind of guy who but it Could was it's just bad. an interesting thing yeah. that he's trying to be something he's not and that the way he is the way he can be the best father he can be yeah. for her in this, especially in this situation, is the only he's the only person that can do yeah. it is to be is to be the person that he is, and that's how he wins her yeah. affection. And and so they get to Paris. Um, they're not even out of the fucking airport yet. They're yeah. at the traffic the, the taxi stand. Peter. And then this guy comes over. He's like, "Oh, take picture." You know, he's cute. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you know, I have a big dick." And you know, then they start talking and all that. And then the girls are like, "Oh, you know," they went over and then. Of course, you, you you realize through dialogue they give up their whole shit. Yeah, we're all alone. We're Americans. We we're on the fifth floor. Yeah, we 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 by ourselves. We leave the door open at night. We, <laughs> we have pillow fights. It's we walk around naked. You know, you know. There's no parents here. It's at a lot all. of money. Yeah, uh, we don't know anything. Uh, we have access to bear bonds. Whatever you want. So very quickly, Jesus, not even an hour, right? I mean, they get up there, they turn the music on, they're like dancing around a Papa Don't Preach, and freaking, <laughs> you know, she calls the dad, and he's like, well, I haven't you called? You know, and he's worried because he's, at the time, he calls Famke Jansen up. Also, I guess it should be noted that you and I both watched the international cut. Yeah. You know, which has a little extra, like we said, an extra punch, extra gunshot, a little more gratuitous violence. But he calls Famke Jansen up, he's like, have you heard from her? And she's like, bro... <laughs> it's funny in the middle of the night. Yeah, bro. you know, she's a she's a girl. But he's but you know, it's funny because it, it is that teeter totter of are you being an overbearing parent or there's some validity like hardcore. Yeah. The other movie we talked about where like shit can go down very easy, you know, and, and shit can get real. And then we get into the point where it, you're, this is where you start seeing these great effects and devices where um 
she's on the phone. She's talking to the dad. She's looking at her friend uh, through the window. It's like across a courtyard. Yeah, because of how the building She has the whole floor, so... The, the apartment building is set up, and then she sees that her friend gets taken by these people, and then she starts talking to her dad. And very, it's cool. Very. Well, this easily. is the whole. I mean, this is the whole trailer. I mean, yeah. this is it. This is the money shot. Of, I mean, this is the scene of this movie. Yeah. And th- the brilliance of this scene is that it's. I don't know how long it is. It's not long. Three minutes, five minutes tops. Yeah. And it's effective and it's startling. From the it's. You know, edge of the seat, gripping the. It is so suspenseful. It's the horror movie uh, serial killers in the closet, Michael Myers. You know what I mean? And then you see, especially if you're a witness. Yeah. You know, you're on the phone. It's a, a bit a rear window. But you it's know. Also, we see he's put into action. You yeah. know, this is where Lee, Brian Mills, the Liam Neeson character, this is where, like, okay, this, we get a hint of it at the security with, yeah. the, with the pop singer, that he, he can handle himself, he's he's attentive, he's he's uh, competent yeah. at what he does. But this is, like, any other person would be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> where he's like, okay, he gets, he grabs his suitcase, he, he has the wherewithal, yeah. and he's telling like, her, I need to record this, you know, it's go very, to the next room. Hide under the bed. And it's very, uh, uh, you know, uh, a lot of credit to her. He's like, listen, you know, you're going to get taken. Yeah, well, he's always, he says to her. He's a pragmat. You know, he's also something I, f- I find interesting on this viewing is when he goes to her and he tells her, okay, here's, he gives her the paper when he signed it, when he goes to like Famke Jansen's house. Oh, okay. To let her like, go on oh, this trip. He's like, you got to go. You, this is my phone. He gives her a list of instructions and he's like, you got to focus. You know, you're not focusing. Yeah. So his whole thing is like focus because he's so focused. Yeah. So he's like, okay, you got to listen to me. You got to focus. Go in the other room. Get under the bed. Go into the next room. Get under the bed. Now here, this is a very important thing. You have to listen to me. <laughs> They're, you're going to be taken. What I need you to do is when they pull, when they take you, I need you to yell out. Leave the phone there and yell out. Yell out every. As much recognizable as thing that you see. And this is the thing that I've noticed in this viewing and then originally when I watched it, and it's probably because it is a European movie because it's not very important. Some of the dialogue in this movie is hard to hear and understand and probably because some of it's dubbed and who cares because yeah. a lot of people are going to be watching it subtitled in different language. But when she ends up yelling, like she says, beard, six feet, tattoo, right yeah, hand, you don't he- I, didn't, I can't understand it. I didn't hear any of it until he's listening back to it. Yeah. So and maybe that's the, that's the point of it. Yeah. But so he tells her, which is interesting because this is also a very clever script you go back from a writer's point of view okay blake and i have an idea of this movie but then how are you going to make a compelling story that's not boring yeah you know how is he going to okay we have a time frame not 96 hours how do we get him over there okay he, he takes a private flight how does he find the girl in a fucking needle in a haystack you know okay well he, he finds goes, he, goes, you know. he goes to the apartment yeah but you know this whole thing of this scene it's just it's so masterfully yeah. like constructed. Well, it's funny too because then that happens. We have the, the bad guy, the, the the heavy picks the phone up, <laughs> and he knows. And then he starts giving his speech, yeah. which is funny because it's just like his dirty hairy speech. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's really funny because I was I was in the back of my mind, I almost giggled. I was like, thank God the guy didn't hang up on him. <laughs> like two seconds yeah. halfway through. Yeah, well, not even like he's like he's I, like I don't know who you are. Yeah. I don't know what you want. <laughs> 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 ah, fuck. For fuck's sake. Yeah. But it's a, the, the trailer is this speech. Yeah. And, that, know? This and it's is so badass. And people so all of a sudden, we're now, like I said, he's thrown into action, but we as an audience are like, 
fuck. Yeah. Like, now we're like, oh, that guy is in trouble. <laughs> yeah, he's like a machine. Because now I feel like this is kind of get... Because this in itself started this whole subgenre, sub-subgenre in the late 2000s, where you already had the Jason Bourne movies going and some other badass movies of that fair. But yeah, Bruce Willis had been doing it. But, like, this started this series of guys like uh, there's a Sean Penn movie like this there's a there's about a list of a half a dozen guys who are in this type of film you yeah. know and I think it's well, so Sean Penn's in a movie that the, this guy directed The Gunman it, that might be it from 2015 or 13 or something this is I have 10 but maybe uh, that's it but it's like this kind of a movie where he's doing this kind of a you know there there was a, a, a time there where there was about four or five different guys that you know well like a yeah. Sean Penn or whatever that were doing this type of movie oh it's like his installment of this type of movie or this guy's installment and it's to me I, like I said it goes back to say you take Jimmy Stewart where post-World War II, people still knew him as the young guy, you know, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. But then he started doing these very psychologically great westerns with uh, Anthony Mann, and people weren't used to seeing Jimmy Stewart that way. So when you go see the movie, it works so much more on a different level because he is now a different kind of a person or he's playing a different kind of a character. So the cast, Liam Neeson, to see Liam Neeson have this specialty at his age, he's in his 50s, not to say he's overweight or he looks old, but it's just really effective when he starts getting down to brass tacks, doing his own stunts. But it's just, it's this scene is where we are... Really, we've been, it's been hinted at. We've been given information as an audience, but this scene is where we see and we buy as an audience that we that he's like the, we're going to be taken on this trip and we go, we're going with him and we accept it. Yeah, I mean the, the speech is so badass. Like I said, the give trailer it, it is a, the trailer is essentially this. He's like, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you, I don't have any money. But what I do have is a particular set of skills. Yeah, a particular set of skills. Uh, it's very Irish. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. Uh, I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His delivery accentuates the, I will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah, and it's it's such a great payoff later in the movie, when they're in that he's playing the he goes in there like as a, uh, yeah. a Parisian cop, and he's there, and he's like, you know, do you remember me? Well, he well the guy's response is good luck. Oh yeah, and he so he has. Can you read what this says? So he gets the yeah. Well, that that's a little later, but he says that to him, and that's how he's okay. And so now the clock starts. You know, he's he's thrown into action. Our hero is now the inciting incident or whatever. He's thrown in action. He goes to Famke Jansen's, Lenny's house or whatever he calls her. And uh, he says, I need to see her room. Do you have any... He says to the step, step uh, the stepfather, the, the the new husband, do you have any enemies? And he's like, well... And, it's, and he starts... Yeah, he starts checking off all the... Is it, a, is it a kidnapping because somebody wants a ransom? Or is it, you know, what the hell is it? And he has the, you know, and he has the connections. He sends the the recording to a friend of his that he worked with on the security job and that's where this guy comes up with this information because he's still got connections yeah he calls an analyst the analyst is like by the thing and this is again what we said of Albanian blah 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 there's the town and this is a hotbed and but it's it this is a very real thing where there's this nowadays this this you don't hear a lot about it but there's this sex slave trade people being kidnapped brought in and this is how they I mean you hear you think about back in the day with pimps and prostitutes but this is how they rope you in you get somebody they get them hooked to drugs and then then when they're in that cloudy world you get them to 
whatever the hell else they're doing. You know, they're prostituting. Well, I and think stuff. that's kind of the other. That's the th- that's you know one of the main thing. You know, I said you know one of the things that really works about this script is this idea of, and, and that's a convention that's used often, is that the daughter or the family's messed with, the daughter's taken, something happens to the family. Instantly, we as an audience relate. We know the uh, you know so what's it's like at, instant epic. What's at stake? Yeah, you know, and so then got ninety six hours. Put that clock in motion. Dion knows, and I've mentioned it many times. Clocks in various different ways of film. You know, Back to the Future. You have X amount of days before the lightning strike. You know, I love that because it it builds in suspense that it has to be done by a certain amount of time. But then you take a movie like Rocky, where we see that, you know, there's they go from Thanksgiving to Christmas. We have a clock in that sense. Yeah. It's a way of instantly placing us or often, you know, what could be used in a movie is a person's pregnant and then we know that there's nine months. Yeah. You know, there's just it's a it's a clever for me, it's a clever story device to kind of either put us in suspense or give us some kind of time frame to instantly be able to say, Oh, it's Thanksgiving, so it's been X amount of months. Or it was Thanksgiving, now it's Christmas, we know it's been a month or whatever. So we get the clock, and the other thing, along with the thing about the like the daughter being taken, is when they say like female trafficking and they're going to like get her addicted to drugs. Like instantly, like we know, like this is maybe even worse than death for yeah. us, like a lot of us. Sure. Think about like the stakes are so great. If he doesn't find her with like 96 hours, that's like the most horrific stakes I think a lot of us can imagine. Yeah, especially for someone like that, She's a young girl. You know, a 17-year-old girl who is or may might be or may not be on the spectrum is being sold into uh, sex slavery and is going to be addicted, is going to be forcibly addicted to like heroin or yeah. something. Terrible. It's just the way they get, like going back to the old days of getting a girl coming to New York City or a big city, trying to make it big and as a movie star or whatever, they would meet these people they would endear themselves to them and then all of a sudden they hook them on drugs and then now all of a sudden they're, they're turning themselves out hey Dion hey Blake what are you eating under there uh underwear <laughs> I got you oh you got me I get you I get you underwear under there underwear I got you that, you know that reminds me of something that we, you seem like you want to talk about I do you know one of my favorite topics that we don't usually talk about on the show is men's wear, yeah, including underwear, undergarments, yeah, men's men's underwear that uh, I think is essential to every person's life, uh, especially the man. You know? <laughs> well, I would imagine men's underwear would be more important to men, yeah. And that brings us to what we're talking about today, because our new sponsor for this uh, today's episode <laughs> yeah, is sponsored by <laughs> Mac Weldon. But Mac Weldon doesn't only have underwear. That's true. What do they have? They have socks and shorts and sweatpants and hoodies. So I got myself a hoodie, and I'm very excited about it. I love it. And they don't then the underwear themselves. They they have boxers, they have briefs, trunks. I picked up myself some boxer briefs. Well, you know, the interesting thing about McWeldon is that they pay attention to all the details, every stitch, yeah, every fabric, every cut. They're like, you know what? We're going to design a product that's going to be comfortable, that's going to fit right, 
and it's going to be quality. You know, back in the day, I'd go to like Target. But nowadays with the internet, like I buy everything online. Who doesn't? And so when I found out about Mack Weldon. Yeah. And they were like, we want to help sponsor the show. And I was like, I want to try your product. Yeah. And I said, I do too. <laughs> so on our last sleepover, yeah. we said, Dion and I spent a little time online. <laughs> yeah. And I was a little, uh, little, bought a little too much than I should have. I got a hoodie. I got myself two boxer uh, briefs. Uh, you picked up yourself the silver line of socks. I got, the, I got a pair of socks. I got uh, a pair of regular boxers because that's what I wear. And I also bought a pair of sweatshorts because, you know, I like to sleep comfortably. And though I'm trying to go to the gym, and I'll definitely maybe wear those to the gym, I wanted a nice comfy pair of shorts that uh, would help me make it through the night, sleep-wise. And we went to MacWeldon.com. The interface is really easy. It has multiple ways to search in terms of just like underwear or search, search pants, and then yeah. it can be split up into different categories. I actually like, too, you can hit a button and you can flip the item around you're looking at so you can see the reverse side, which is, to me, almost unique to the site, which it probably <laughs> isn't. But I was really impressed by yeah. that, and you could see there's you know people wearing the stuff, and it's very user-friendly, very easy. I mean, I'm a freaking idiot when it comes to technology. <laughs> can, you know I me. Mean? I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I call Blake up in the middle of the night, and I'm like, how I'm does trying this work? to order this. Yeah, how does it work? But here, if you go to MacWeldon.com, they actually uh, were so excited to bring us on board that they're offering a uh, 20% discount for your first order when you check out. If you put the promo code in, S. NMS, meaning so, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. One of their kind of mottos is their stuff is more comfortable than what you're currently wearing. Yeah. In our case, it's not true because we're wearing Mack Weldon. And they're so confident in their product that if you buy a pair yeah. and you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they'll refund you the money, no questions asked. Yeah. You try it out, you don't like it, they don't want your dirty underwear back. No, no. They'll let you keep it. Yeah, you can keep that, <laughs> and they'll give you the money back, no questions asked, which is, I think, pretty impressive in this day and age. But it's easy. Go to MacWeldon.com, and for 20% off your first order, enter promo code SNMS. Just four letters. This is our show voice. <laughs> so Mac, M-A-C-K, Weldon, W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Enter the promo code SNMS. MS, and you'll get 20% off your first order. So uh, please try it out today, and uh, why don't you drop us a line and uh, give us some testimonials. <laughs> I would love to know what you think about yeah. Mac Weldon. Back to the show. As we go into Act 2, you know, as we, as, as we are thrown into Act 2, we now have, we have a clock, we have the stakes, we and and we have and like, he's listening on his phone. He's listening, <laughs> Daddy, Daddy, you know, on the on the on the plane right there. You know, so we're uh, within this first act. We are given everything we need to now be able to fully throw ourselves into this movie, empathize with the main character, understand what's going to happen, what the stakes are, and like I am on the edge of my seat for like the rest of this movie yeah. <laughs> when I watch it. Yeah. Because it, and then it's just like everything's kind of really executed. I love that he goes to the hotel, he goes to the apartment and he's looking around and he's heard what happened. Oh yeah, that's a great device because he's heard every he's he's he record he heard everything talking to his daughter happening live, and then he recorded the last bit of it, and then he's been listening to it so much and replaying it back in his mind on the journey there. When he gets there and he goes through the location that he relives it in his head. Yeah, listening. he's why he can like visualize it happening as he's going through. Okay, this is where the friend is grabbed and they knocked over this vase, and then he looks over at the. He looks across the courtyard at the through the window of where the girl's clearly grabbed. His friends, the girl's friends, grab and he yeah. sees the window that okay, that's the window my daughter was staring. It's at. very, so then, it's very smart because then when you hear 
when he was listening, he, like if he heard a noise in the background, like a glass breaking, he can look in the room and see, oh, she was probably struggling, and this is what, you know, so it's yeah. very well done He's that way. He's putting all the pieces together. Yeah. Then you he know, gets he, into the bed. <laughs> you know, he, yeah, he goes to the bathroom, and then he looks over. What's the clo- He told her to get to the closest room. What's the next room? Yeah. He get, like, I get under the bed, so then he gets under the bed, and then he starts visualizing because he could hear the footprint, the footsteps coming. He's doing very Columbo, like, you know, <laughs> Hockey Perot shit, you know, reliving the whole crime, <laughs> you know. And then, so he lives, re- great, like, cinematic yeah. device to kind yeah. of, you know, visualize, for us, uh, for him to, visual for the storytelling to visually be told to us as he's visually so then and he picks up he sees the phone he p- takes out the card the, the bad guy broke the phone when he left when he said that to him good luck now he takes something off the mirror but that never and what i also like is like things don't have some things don't pan out you know like he takes like a thing off the mirror like a piece of cloth or something oh i thought yeah he was like taking like a hair or something to see and that never know. pans out and then through the through the device through looking at the 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 the, uh, de- the card from the camera, the pictures of the of the SIM card in the in the he uh, see, her camera. He sees Peter, who was like the guy who uh, that they met at the taxi stand at the airport. Yeah, and so when he gets there, and then that, you know, that's the first. That's where we really see that he's f- no joke. You know, he gets he throws Peter into that car and then he's just he's holding his arm oh up. he's just <laughs> yeah yeah and, and, and the other guy comes he beats the other guy up so because he finds this guy peter uh by because they the peter took to get the two girls he took a picture of the two girls so when he's so when liam's looking at the cell phone pictures he sees the guy in the reflection so he sends the thingy to get analyzed yeah. to, to quantico they come back with stuff and then when he finds him at the airport doing the same thing yeah, well, it's, it's, it's also just interesting because it, we've now established that it's routine. Yeah, like this is, this what is he does a, this day. is an operation. Yeah, you know, it wasn't didn't have this. He does this every day. Yeah, he's wearing the same clothes. Yeah, he got a <laughs> bag and all that. So this is this nice little fight here, which we got a glimpse of before when he defended the uh, rock star. What's her face? Val uh, Valens, Holly Valens, but you get to see that it's a little more, which is kind of new, I think, for audiences at the time. Whereas that. Stuff that you would see a little in the Bourne movies and probably in some of the Transporter movies. This physical action. But for me, it's not like um, the action sequences that we knew at the time of like movies of, um, you know, the Schwarzenegger and Stallone movies. Yeah. Or this is a little more based in a realism where it's not so fast, but there's martial arts, there's stuff going on. So it's, it's like something new to American audiences. This type of action, this speed shot this way, but yeah. it, you know what I mean? But what I do like about the action scenes and the fight scenes in this movie is that around this time... 2008, 2009. 2008, 2009. I mean, I want to say the like this, maybe the 2nd born movie is a perfect example of this, which is that like the cameras were so shaky... And the cuts were so fast that you couldn't really tell what was happening. Like Batman Begins. Batman Begins is another perfect example. I can't example half of that. that movie. People love that movie. It's I, okay for me, but I can't see what's going on. Half I movie. remember seeing, like, a watching a behind the scenes of Batman or uh, something before Batman Begins came out, and they were showing like they were shooting, they were filming the shooting of the movie. Yeah, and it looks great. <laughs> so it's like, oh, those fight scenes look awesome. Yeah, because you see the camera shooting those fight scenes in the in the shot. It's you're behind the at. scenes. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, oh, those fight scenes look like they'd be great. And then you watch it, and like you can't tell yeah, what the, the hell footage. Happening. You're like, what the fuck is this <laughs> happening? And I guess that's supposed to be the the plot. I don't know. So one thing I like about this movie, because like I said, I think I want to say it's the second born movie. Maybe it's the third one. But I remember I saw that. I was like, what? They couldn't afford a tripod? These people? Yeah, yeah. Or a Steadicam? That was the problem you were getting in those days. Like. Um, uh, Casino Royale, the first Daniel Craig Bond movie, came out in 2006, which I really like. Yeah. Um, 
that had some elements of this fighting in it. So you're getting some of this physicality that you were seeing. But but, but in that one, you could see what was that, happening. Yeah. So uh, that's two of the points. One, my point is saying like you're getting this physicality, which I, I'm really liking in cinema at the time. But the flip side, what you're saying is that you were getting these movies where they weren't handling the fight sequences the shooting of it, you can't see what the hell. Like they could have just, you, could, you, you know, know, it's too dark, it's too up close, it's too. They frantic. didn't even really need the choreograph. You know, I think they just had the people waving their arms. Yeah, and then <laughs> somebody falls, and it's like you know, it's a Batman, <laughs> and then they're you know, it's like so it's and that's another thing. Too, a lot of like, wasted money. Yeah, in that choreography. There's these beautiful choreographed dance. It's almost like dance numbers. These fight sequences, you can't tell what the hell is going. It's yeah. like you know, you see that in car chase films and these it's like if you just take it back a little bit you could it'd be much more so one of the things i do appreciate about this movie is that yes it's shot for a lot of the fight scenes are shot fairly close yeah. and the cuts are quick but you can tell what's happening exactly every yeah, punch it's just landing. it's happening very quickly so not everything is really registering yeah but it's clear yeah you know like you can understand when he hits somebody you know that he hits somebody it's not just like some swish pan yeah i mean it's a, <laughs> so it's a great sequence when he gets this guy peter trying to get info at him the guy rabbits he runs after the guy they go up there he's following him up like the uh, the off-ramp to the airport the guy jumps down you think he's about to leave and then the guy gets brutal the guy walks out into a lane looking at liam neeson doesn't see he gets fucking hit by a truck taken down that, and then wheeler. like that his his first that one lead his first lead his beverly biggest lead dies with him like you know, dead end but it's a great because it is kind of an entrance into like oh it's going to be this kind of a movie like this is going to be and then he so then he tries to talk to an old friend who's a pair of paris so cop. you imagine like you know in between this scene and the next scene he's like okay who do i know in yeah, paris fuck. you know like who do i know he goes and he tries to visit an old friend you know one of the great things about this whole plot this whole story this kind of movie and this movie specifically is that it's really like wish fulfillment you know, it's, we would all, we all have, you know, things happen, obviously, probably, knock on wood, things not this dire or uh, intense, uh, devastating. These kinds of things don't happen to everybody, thank goodness. But we all have instances where, like, I wish I could do something. Put in a situation where you can just kick yeah, some like ass. Yeah, like, I wish, you know, kick ass or... Or anything like you know, you just like you wish you had the 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 ability, the skill set, the connections, fortitude to be able to do to all. be able to rise to the occasion. Yeah, and so this is the kind of movie where like we all wish we could be if our if our a loved one was taken, we would go to the police, we'd file a report. Yeah, you'd you wait. Know, you'd get, you know. You try to get the next flight to Paris, <laughs> you know. You so, but the, but he, we all wish we could be the guy that says like, not only says he, not only is, not only does, but has the resources and yeah. the skill set to be able to do it. We all wish we could get on that plane, go find the fucking guy. That did. It's such a unique thing too, because at you know you think about like. There is a time he didn't, you know, he only because of his connections know about this clock. Uh, he, because of the stepfather that Fanny Jansen is now married to, he's able to get this charter, this, this, you know, whatever kind of a Lockheed plane it is yeah. to get there no time, you know, as fast as he can. He's able to get on the ground running. He has connections because he has fake passports he, he's able to get a gun or a weapon somehow in paris you know he didn't, i don't think he brought it himself yeah you know um so he has all these connections to get to, to hit the hit the ground running 
Uh, he's probably lost the minimal amount of time as possible. He gets there. He probably has, you know, it's, it's again, what we see in Commando. Remember, he jumps out that plane. He gets, he, he stands up. He's got his clock. He sets the clock. I've got, I forget what it was, 12 hours before that flight. He's supposed to be on. Schwarzenegger's yeah, yeah. supposed to get to, like, that fake country before they, you know, he's got, a, he's that time to find his daughter, you know. So it's great to have a clock. And then he's, he starts working out all these connections where he goes to his P- Parisian friend, the, the cop, and the cop's like, I'll give you some leads, but not a lot. And, Brian. You know, yeah. <laughs> and and then so the, the, the plot just starts he unfolding. Gives the, the, that guy gives us a little exposition. It's, you know, the, the Albanians, they came here about five, six years ago. It started with like six or seven yeah. of them. Now there's hundreds of them, blah, blah, blah. We're getting, you know, a little bit of this information that we don't need to know, but it does, certainly it adds depth you know, adds yeah. a little color to the movie. And this is, you know, this is in no way this next comment is going to be anything uh, bad about Albanians, but this is something you saw in the the criminal aspect of the Albanian mob. They, they in the past 20 years, they've relatively come over to the States or to other parts, and they've kind of taken over where the Italian mob has kind of, you know, lost sure. its fingers. Well, or you these know, other you take can, a movie you know, like Eastern Promises, and that's what London, yeah. with, with the with the Russian mob. And this is know. another example of a movie like that, Cronenberg, where that whole scene in the bathhouse, that's more of this kind of realistic kind of, even though you see Vigo's full <laughs> schlong, how do you do there, you know, yeah. dancing around, but it's like these kind of movies where you get that kind of fight sequences. So Liam hits the ground going, you know, he, he starts... Uh, running out these 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 little leads, you don't. Since the daughter's taking, you don't get to see her again, which I like. You yeah. know, it's not like you're seeing like, you know, her point of view in these things. You know, so you don't know what's happening to her. He, um, uh, what is it? Very quickly, he. The, how? What's the next thing after he he loses the lead with the with the guy Peter? He. Um, well, he goes to the friend. The, who's friend the gives him a little stuff. This friend calls somebody says tail him because shit's gonna get real. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's gonna bring some. Wolf you know, ass. and then he. So then we find out through the tail that he he got a car, and so then we get the scene where he picks up a translator. Oh, this is great. He gets an Albanian translator to to translate for you know, and he goes and he kind of you know f- you know. Uh, is difficult with a prostitute to try to get the pimp to come out. Like yeah. we don't really know what he's doing. Yeah, he's just acting idiotic, and he's. But we know that questions. he's got some strategy. Yeah, and then, and then the, he gets confronted by, by uh, the pimp, some yeah. Albanian, because he he learns that this is like the sector town there, the the, the Albanian, like the red light district, turn out turn yeah. out women. So then he bugs the guy, and he goes back to the Albanian. He goes back. You know, the funny thing is about this movie. When I was watching it this time, and I've said I've seen this movie uh, numerous times. It's also it was a movie that was played was on TV a lot for a yeah, while. Of course, and of course I would watch it every time it was on. It's one of those kinds of movies for me. But you forget, like, because it's only like ninety minutes. That's another thing. Is like I I remember this movie being tight an hour and a half when I first saw it. But then this time. When we watched, I was like, Jesus, it's almost over. I was like, this is it. It's like, it's, it's flying. There's so many things. Yeah. Like, it's just, it, goes, it moves at a clip. Like, once it gets going, it's just it's a sprint. Yeah. You know, and so I was we were watching. There's not like, a lot of time wasted. Like and I was saying. like, oh my, oh yeah. I re- like, as it's coming, I was like, oh yeah, there's this scene. Yeah. There's the translator. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he gets this guy in the car. He, he, he starts a problem with the prostitute. Like Blake said, Pimp comes out and makes him leave. He, he's able to put like a bug on the. The pimp gets the pimp gets back in the car, 
Liam Neeson gets back into the car with the translator, and then it's funny. He starts saying, like, translate everything that you're saying. Yeah. And he's he starts, like, I don't understand. He's yeah. like, just do it. Just talk. Just talk. <laughs> and he's, you know, translate. Just translate. And he's saying some stuff, everything. and he hears that he learns. He's got his eyes closed, so you know that he's, he's listening to, he's, he's analyzing everything, and then the guy says, what does he say, an address or location? Who's this? He's talking about a construction site. Yeah, and this is another thing. I love, um, like, um, Places in movies where you can have these 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 set pieces, and this is I remember from watching this movie the first time. This whole construction sequence here, when he's got the Jeep Cherokees and yeah. and um, and there's you know he he's, he he has this big shootout. It's very reminiscent of like Tango and Cash. Yeah, well, apparently or the end this, of Raw Deal, you know. Apparently, this comes from uh, Busan, uh, Luke Busan brought the writer Cayman over. He said, "I want to show you something," and they were building a new. Highway. Okay. He's like, I want to show you how like their highways are built in pa- in France. In, yeah. In Paris, what they do is they sh- set up like a uh, like a what are they called? What is the two letter word? First word starts with <laughs> um, two two. Uh, what like a mo- trailer park? Trailer park. They build like a trailer park for the workers. The workers live there. Oh, like old Detroit. Yeah. Like and the, as the and as Delta they city. and as they move, they move the trailers yeah. along. The highway. No, that's kind of like what they did when they built the uh, Hoover Dam. They, you know, you have this shanty town outside. Yeah, you know, and so they keep on. So they're like, we need to make. Let's do a scene in, in one of these trailers. Yeah, things. that was unclear to me. To me, it seemed just more like they were at a construction site. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't really come across. But yeah. apparently, that was the origin. But the idea is that they have a trailer that they're that's basically a whorehouse for these. Which is back in when they when they did the Hoover Dam, you had the shanty town. Uh, I forget the name of the town. Uh, in what is that? The twenties into the thirties, maybe, or maybe the thirties, because it was part of the New Deal with uh, what's his face uh, Roosevelt. But uh, they had this is the town. This is classical literature, or you know, the archetype of you know, you have dr- they're going to need vices, so they're going to have gambling, they're going to have drinking, they're going to have prostitution because these guys are workers. You know, it's Alaskan yeah. pipeline. You know, so it's, of course you're going to be. This is where money's to be made because all the guys are going to do is work, spend their money on drink sex or or gambling you know now this scene is very important for uh the audience you know we have liam neeson gets in line in the you know gets in line to go into the whorehouse yeah takes him he's given number and we see that they've sectioned off with blankets and you know clothes lines yeah it's kind of fucked up these makeshift rooms and that's why it's that's why this scene's so important because he takes back that first curtain and we see that girl hmm and we see that all the girls are drugged out, they're dirty, and, th- like, it now makes it real. Like, before, like I said, we hear sex trade or we hear female trafficking, and we have a... We immediately know the... the, the uh, What's at stake? We know the stakes of everything, but now we're being shown. Yeah, the, the actual... Like, oh, my God, you know, like, this is happening to his daughter somewhere. Yeah, and, and any curtain he pulls could be his daughter or his friend where he's not really... That was the other joke. I was when they were like, "Is anybody going to call the parents of the other daughter you know, and tell them that what's going on, or we have to keep them in the loop at all?" So not only for him, but he he has an idea. But for us as an audience, we're like, "Oh my god, this is what he's trying to prevent." So it raises the stakes. Yeah. So he starts flipping back, the, trying to find his daughter, and it lends itself to a, a great little action sequence where, which is really now we've had hints at, of the of the scene with the with the singer. We've had hints with Peter in the cab. But now we see this is where we get to see like him Fucking for the first time and is like he's capable. It's yeah. like this is this is the first time we see him fully unleashed. 
doing uh, Nagatsu Do, which is a hybrid of Judo, Aikido, and Jiu-Jitsu. And he, he starts messing his, and he, his this mother's up. And this is where up. he finds the girl with the jacket, right? Yeah, because he sees his daughter. He sees a, a girl with a jacket. Uh, he that thinks looks like his daughter. We're always like, is that the daughter? Yeah, he sees her. He turns her around. It's not her. So he grabs this girl that has his daughter's jacket. Uh, who, where did you get this jacket? You know, and then I'm so I'm okay. Yeah, I'm fine. So he throws her in the back of a car. Seatbelts are in. Thank God. He seats and belts himself back in, and it starts this huge sequence. And now these we guys have a chase scene. Yeah. Not only do we have these awesome fight scenes, we have a suspense, great, but now we have a chase. A scene. great scene with automatic weapon fire. They're shooting, and this is another great thing. A sequence. A, a thing I have to say about this movie. I'm a big fan, as Blake knows, of like. Um, Michael Mann type movies where the action is real realistic, the the sound effects, and I think this is a example of a movie where the gunplay in this movie, the sound effects are very realistic. They sound like the guns from the area. They ha- it's not just like a uh, Hollywood quote unquote foley effect they're putting over the guns. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I maybe it's because of a little more they're doing it a little cheap. Or maybe they're taking the sounds from set, yeah. the diegetic sound. But I love the. Uh, the, the automatic gunfire and the gunfire in this movie it sounds really very realistic so you have this great sequence where these guys are going after him and other uh, uh, four by fours or all wheel drive vehicles and they're you know he's knocking it's so and, it, and then it's another thing it shows his skills of being a great driver being able to um, you know take these guys out one at a time yeah, he's like knocking over you know intentionally knocking over the 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 barrels with the fire in them yeah so it's 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 very you know and, it's, and they're trying to shoot and it also shows you how hard it is. I mean, some of these shots look like they could have hit their mark and killed her, but it does show you how hard it is to try to, even if you have an automatic gun, to try to hit a thing moving, you know, and all that kind of a thing. So, great, great scene where at the end of it, he's able to get out of there. I think he kills everybody in brutal deaths. And he takes her, ends up taking her to, like, some hotel. Yeah. Some, like, you know, hole-in-the-wall hotel, and the guy's like, oh, it's been a long time since I see you. But we buy it. Yeah. You know, like, he's, like, the usual, like, accommodations plus one. Yeah. You and know, he like, goes up, and he has he has an IV. He knows how to put a, he's putting in the IV into her. He's giving her, like, a saline solution, drip to get hydrator. Because they've set something, everything up so beautifully. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, like we get to that point, there's no question. Like, okay, yeah, he's got connections. Yeah, of course he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. been here, you know. Yeah, he's got money. It's, it's you know, he's probably has a Dropbox in every major city, or has access to these these people who have these things, very Cold War kind of shit. And I you think know? what really works is that, you know, he he's Peter dies. The first clue dies. The first lead. He gets. He he makes. He uses his resources to to find another clue. The the construction site. He gets to the construction site. He doesn't find his daughter, but he sees the jacket. Everything's leading, like we said, like I said with the Poe thing. Everything is leading towards yeah that next clue. He's making the best of what he has, and he has the wherewithal and the and this and the particular skill set to be able. To, to make the best of it and to be like, okay, takes the girl, that leads to the next clue, the, the house with the red door. Yeah. Uh, everything is just, it's like a beautifully constructed puzzle. Everything just fits perfectly through this entire movie. And he's able to get into there and he, and he bluffs his way, uh, he bluffs his way into the situation there and he, to, to, you know, and he gets himself into this thing with, he's a, he's a, Parisian cop, and yeah. then he talks his way through that he's going to have to, you know, extort but them for more money. But also, it's like it's a big character thing because we're seeing like how cool he is in this role of pretending to be something. Yeah, and then he ends up um, in this scene just messing them all up, and it's another great scene of like 
you know, it's like I love Die Hard 3 when it's uh, Bruce Willis in the elevator with those four guys and he, sure. he's able to kill them all in one, you know. <laughs> but you it's know. also like it's a little game of like cat and mouth. It's like this weird poker game or something. Yeah, well, you and know? they don't like realize, but we're, we're there, so it's also a, a, an exercise in suspense. He's feeling it all you out, know? you know. It is like that thing of, you know, Hitchcock would say you put a bomb underneath the table and then people go about talk about baseball. We know it's there. Yeah, when's it going to go off? And we're worried about the bomb going off. So it's like you see him, you see two guys in another room. He's looking where we do. We see him, you see him scoping everything out. He's getting the lay of the land. I don't think he has a gun on him, or maybe so he's looking at who's armed. He's talking to these guys and he's acting like an idiot. And he, you know, he's and so then at the end of it, he's able to say, you know, uh, he asked them to translate. And he's looking at their tattoos to see what the tattoo she said. And and then she said beard tattoo, blah blah blah. Yeah. So he's looking at guys to ma- and then at the last like, thing he says, Marco. He's like, we're all Marco. Yeah, and then he's like, say this, and then the one guy says, he's like, oh, a friend of mine gave me this. It's an Albanian. Can you translate it for me? And the guy shows it to the other guys. They laugh, and he's like, what, what does this say? He's like, good luck. Yeah, and then it was like flick yeah, of a switch. You don't remember? You don't remember me? Do you? You don't remember me? Do you? He's like, you don't remember me? Do you? I told you I'd be there. You know? And then it's like, oh. Yeah, and then it just all hell breaks loose, and it's great. And then you know he he takes them all out, all the knife working, and, and then I the other guys to you on the phone two days ago. Yeah. I told you I was gonna find and you. Here I am, bingo. <laughs> Pop goes the weasel, and then he then like you know I love the scene where it's like the the reinforcements from the other room arrive, yeah. and he's dead on the floor. So even when the camera comes, you don't even know where he is, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's sh- he's shooting all the guys. He gets he's them all playing possum for you know? a split second, just enough time to catch them by surprise, and he's able to ca- take that guy. And he takes Marco from Trapovia. Yeah, and then it's nice. He wakes up, he wakes up, and it's another one of these sequences where I love that. Where then the guy stripped down. He's he's putting he puts stuff you know two the two middle rods into his legs, long nails, spikes. and he starts talking. And then I love the idea him the little background he's talking about. We used to outsource this, and yeah. you know, and all this kind with of the electricity, <laughs> you know. the infrastructure because again with the infrastructure. And it's true. It's right. You know, it's like that's that's funny. These kind of things that these problems. Hit the switch and it wouldn't go off. Yeah, and it's for, for days. days or whatever because the infrastructure in some of these uh, Middle Eastern cities wherever they were wasn't as good as you know didn't have a standard so you couldn't torture people the right way you know and he's talking about he's doing it himself here so he tortures this guy to get information i'm kind of surprised the guy level even though he's torturing i'm surprised the guy kind of levels with him you know yeah yeah well the guy tries to put up a spits in his face a couple of times yeah he tries to be tough until liam's freaking like look (laughs) i'll leave this on until they turn off the fucking power for lack of payment yeah it's it's (laughs) great lines and you kind of believe him too so he finally he uh he says what he needs and then he leaves the fucking thing on leaves which is oh my god it's terrifying you yeah, know? Yeah. and then he goes but as an audience you're like yeah fuck that guy yeah of course like, we yeah. all wish we could electrify that fucking and then dude. the next thing is you realize with Liam that he that that because they tried to the, the cop his friend the cop tried to get him caught you know he, he had this great setup with yeah, that, that scene that where scene, it's like yeah. you know where he's got the cell phone and they're, 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 they're they pin where the cell phone is he runs up and the cell phone's actually talking to us uh, uh, radio so it's like he's not where he's supposed to be and Liam's watching the whole thing you know so he's very smart and then so and then he, after he kills this guy with the electricity he goes to the, his friend's house because he realizes the friend is dirty yeah that there's something you know the guy's the guy's dirty so yeah. he goes to the friend's house and it's also you know he walks in and the wife's like oh look who's here Brian's come here so now it's like we've established they really do have history in a way that it wouldn't be weird for him to just drop by like his wife knows who he is yeah she's like i'm sitting at an extra table and you could tell the and then it, it's a little more suspense uh, suspense for us because we know the situation the two guys know the situation but we're like oh what's going to happen here and the guy goes to the toilet gets his gun he sits down at the table they're about to start eating and then it's like what's and then he then liam has he's fucking i'm talking like i know him 
He's like, Liam. Yeah, yeah. He's like, talk, you know, he just goes down to business. How long are you, are you dirty? How long have you been a part of it? Yeah. You know, that kind of shit. What the fuck? And, and uh, he pulled, the guy pulls the gun and he's like, you know, you've been sitting around behind the desk so far. You don't even, you can't, you don't even remember the weight of the gun in a hand yeah, and he, one and he, that's loaded or not. And it's great. He's, he opens his fist and just starts put, dropping the bullets on the table. The guy clicks the guns empty. He's like, you know, and that's true. You could tell. If a gun's, you know, it's it's like having, I don't know, like something with batteries or without batteries in it. And then it's then he pulls out his gun and he just shoots the freaking... Shoots the wife in the, in the arm. In the arm. And, and you're like, holy shit, this shit just got serious right now. Well, you know? you know, what's brilliant, what's great about it is that you can imagine that there's this discussion. And I think, like, uh, Robert Mark came in and talked about, like, we can't do that because we'll instantly have the audience, like, hate him for yeah. doing this. But Luke Besson's like... No, like he's that desperate. Yeah, and he even says it's a flesh wound, but then, you know the next one might not be here. You know, like this is a guy who's at the end of his rope. You know, he's whatever. He's yeah. got less than twenty four hours now. Yeah, and it's his know, daughter. His clock is running out. Yeah, and he probably if he if he were able to sit down and explain to the wife, <laughs> like, she probably agree with I him. I gotta shoot. You. I gotta shoot. You. I gotta make this because he, he, all of a sudden he's a pirate. I gotta shoot you. I gotta shoot you once in the fucking arm. All right. <laughs> So just go with it, all right, there. But it's such a great moment yeah, in the then movie you don't know, you're because like now you're like he's really he's he yeah. really is he's a he's a he's a rabid dog that's been you know cornered. Yeah, and you he know, gets, like he's a capable of anything at this point. He gets the info, and I like before he leaves, he says to the guy like, "Tell her I'm sorry. Explain <laughs> to her why I did it because you're yeah, a fucking like, apologize to your wife. You know, yeah, you fucking you're cunt. Yeah, fucking dirty livey fuck. Yeah, you fucking dirty bastard. So um. And then, and then it leads to the ending, which that's why I was surprised. I was like, "Holy shit, this movie's almost over." Where it's where it's like, you know, the, they got to get to the boat. It's just there's a boat. lot of scenes, yeah. right? There's and, more scenes than you expect. And then he, he jumps in the car, and it's it's this race of him trying to f go the canal to catch the boat. Yeah, well, you, you know, you get the auction. Oh, and he's like, "What you got a like winner?" And then oh, he, they, yeah, and that's makes, right out of like I said. There's that Lee Marvin movie, Prime Cut with Gene Hackman. It's just basically with her. It's, it's it's this world where you're like, "Oh, this is great." Because you think about even the female auctioneer that's calling the auction. You know, it's like this is this is probably there's this, this whole lush party going on upstairs where this horrific yeah it's, it's bit going of business <clears throat> is happening, which is like you know probably like sex you know it's like dirty it's like that's all the part of like eyes wide shut shit yeah, not that yeah. they were doing that in the eyes wide shut but it's like a form of a fetish you know where yeah, you're yeah. buying women and stuff and then he sees it's his daughter that you know that that's another reveal well yeah. we, we, we skip well, the know, part they, where they, they, they hold it for yeah, so long and he's like it could be is her, it her is it her you know, is it her the other part where we, we skipped over in the red house uh, the red door where he finds the friend OD oh, dead yeah, and that's yeah. scary it's sad she's dead you know getting a nice close up this is this could have been his daughter and he you know the fuck and then so at the end of it when he he the girl gets sold onto a sultan or somebody a sheik gets well, on she's a boat. virgin yeah she's certified pure yeah they, they've certified her so you know they sell them when they're when they're virgins so the you um they get on some sort of like uh yacht or some sort of thing and then he's able to jump on and then get there's on. the whole chase scene with the car going through traffic yeah, it's great beautifully executed this car chase scene where he's chasing the boat He's yeah. got to get on the boat because the boat's leaving. The boat's in a canal, leaving the thing. He's able to finally he gets over a pedestrian bridge, jumps on. He takes all these guys and out. in one <laughs> fell. He jumps, tucks, rolls, <laughs> takes out the yeah. guy like Great. all in one action. And then you have this, you know, the sequence where the security team goes after him, and it's to me, it's kind of realistic where he's taking each guy out at a time, and it's great. You know, it's very, you know, it's almost this unstoppable kind of a. You know these machines. It's like the John Wick shit, where it's like you yeah, know yeah. the uh, he's able to take everybody out, and then you get to that last part where it's like I love that. It's almost there's a scene in Brian De Palma's Untouchables where it's like you know t 
we're gonna count to three. One, two, and then he shoots the guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, I love that with he gets the daughter and he's in the you know, like we can and he just shoots the guy, and that's it. You know, and then yeah, he's, he's got like the like I said, whatever he is, the red, the guy that who bought these women, yeah, whoever the, who, the women is. were bought for, he's got like a knife to throw. Saudi Arabia, and he's like, we can negotiate before he gets, he, before he gets the word the out. out. He, she shoots him dead in the head, and then he gets his daughter, and then it's like this happy ending where it's like, oh, you know, and then you know maybe they're going to get back to which they do end up getting back together in the sequels. I forget the because in the sequel it's like don't they both get taken? And <laughs> yeah, the, they, the sequels kind of blend in. Yeah, together. well, you know, she like I said, she says you came for me, and that's you know to me like that's that's the movie. You can roll credit after that. Well, well, yeah, really, it it is kind of where you could roll. You could, you know, even if you go to, I think Cayman said that he, you know, he had the movie end where he gets to, they go to the airport and they're about to get in the car and then she says to Famkin Jansen, no, I want to s- spend the night at dad's house. Yeah, and that's kind of like that, more. She doesn't do that in this movie, but that's how he wrote the ending and it's like, then roll credits because the whole thing is like, she hasn't even stayed over yet. Yeah, yeah. So like, that's like that. the sentimentality. Yeah. Or when she's also like, she's scared. She's like, I only feel safe with dad now. You know? And, you know, he came and talked about how like, it's just the difference, just the difference between like the French sentimentality and the American sentimentality. Whereas that would have been like a very American and then like, I want to spend the night at dad's house. His sentimentality, Luke Bassani, he was saying the French thing is like he takes her, he gives her the gift of the vocal lesson. Yeah. Like that was the sentimental part for, for Bassan. And she's already, and he so must have told. Since, and he said since Bassan was paid for the movie, that's the ending we got. And that's probably, he probably had to told the girl, like I just had to, she almost was fucking <laughs> take, just show up at the house, and, you know. But um, it's this movie, it's released in uh, Germany as 96 Hours. It's released in Italy as I Will Find You. It's released in Russia as Hostage. And it comes out, does a it's twenty five million dollar budget, does one hundred and forty five million just in North America, does eighty one million abroad. It's the best scoring opening day ever for Super Bowl weekend. This movie, and it's the second highest uh, Super Bowl weekend behind Hannah Mar- Hannah Montana had, um, had a concert out that was number one that weekend. But this movie ends up grossing what is it two hundred twenty five a quarter of a billion dollars. Yeah, it and, spawned uh, two sequels. The second one I don't remember who gets taken in the second one, but I know it has to do with like Marco from from Shapovia's father. I thought it was the, takes revenge. I thought he gets both of them. I thought he takes the, the, Ma- daughter, the daughter and, and the, the mother. You yeah. know, because like I said, they kind of they kind of blend together for me. I don't remember the third the, one. I forget what happens in the third. And one. And this also begot a series. And then there was a t- television series that just got recently got canceled this year two seasons right? lasted two seasons it was supposed to be like a prequel brian mills before all this stuff happened i started watching it actually uh not too long ago on demand i think the first season was on netflix i started watching it and i had no idea that it was a prequel series like i didn't remember that liam neeson's name was brian mills in the movie i was like i don't know it has nothing really to do with taken mm-hmm like it's just the. It's a prequel. You're like, what the hell does that have to do with it? <laughs> and, and I was like, no, it's supposed to be a prequel. Like it's supposed to be him before. This. I mean, I guess that would be the logical step. And I was step. like, oh, okay. You know, because you can't have him just keep happening afterward. It's yeah. You know, it's but thing. it was like I thought it was just like they take the, the notion of taking. Oh, and then have different and things. just have us, you know, like another guy. Yeah. You I mean, know? you're seeing this now. But like, it is actually supposed to be a prequel. Like thing. the Sicario movies. Like you're seeing more of this now. This whole this is the whole like a whole subgenre. And the you know? second season is very different than the first season. I'm like two episodes away from finishing both seasons yeah uh and it takes a big right turn it becomes a very different show for the second season i was m- more into the first season than i was the second season yeah but it's got jennifer beals oh. who of course i love so. yeah of course <laughs> uh and the honorable mention for liam neeson i love him and uh you know high spirits from the late 80s he's he, you think about his career prior to this 
I love uh, he did Ethan Frome. I'm a big fan of Ethan Frome. Seraphin Falls, which you turned me on to a Western he did pri- right prior to this. Yeah. And just these dark little man. Dark Man, you know, that, that really got it. the A team he did after this, which I loved as him. I like the Bremen. I like the, the and um the gray I liked a lot. The that, gray, yeah. You know, well, it's funny because this sparked a lot of these kinds of movies. And one of the movies that came out after this was a movie where he's got amnesia. Yes, and that and was that was pretty, there's two of those, which is basically the same thing with like Nas or or Riza is the bad guy. I forget who the bad guy and is. And I just, movie. whatever, whichever one it is, and he's got amnesia and he's trying to figure out who he is, but clearly he's a badass in, in like his real life. I've said, you know what they should do at the end of the movie? He should remember that he's Brian Mills from Take. <laughs> there's two <laughs> like movies. Like they should have him literally remember he's this guy. Because there's another movie where it's him with Ed Harris. I remember he's like, and he has to go after Ed Harris, and then he's, he's, I don't know, fighting his whatever. And then there's another movie where he's got amnesia, but he's a badass, you know. And yeah, he's yeah. done, and he's done three or four of them, but one has they're like successful. Might have Jer- uh, January Jones in it, but I was like, they should, he should literally remember that he's the character from Taken. <laughs> it should be like should a weird, I am a badass. It should be a weird sequel. Yeah, <laughs> this is a great movie. Um, you know, it, this was an example, like we said, we were trying to. Our intention always since the beginning of the series was to do later, to do more recent. Which or we we think are sleepover classics or are gonna be sleepover classics, and this was an example of that. And like I said, I'm a huge fan of these kind of fare because I'm such a fan of the earlier, you know, the the, the 70s and 60s and 80s kind of movies like this. So yeah, this is really fun doing. Well, yeah, I mean, they're still going. John Wick. Yeah. The, uh, what what the Equalizer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 all from these, you know, the for examples of this kind of a this subgenre category, you know, and uh, yeah, so it's just it's fun and it's 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 it was it's a nice little trip down memory lane doing one of these little uh, thingies like this. I was, you know, wanted to say, you know, to me, like doing more recent movies, it's like the sleepover classics of the future. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's fun. And then you know, next week we're doing something that's kind of in this realm, which is exciting too, and uh, it. it Again, it's 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 fun. This I hadn't seen uh, as many times as you had, but it was certainly great seeing it again, and realizing that it's been ten years since this come out, and then how know, quick crazy, it is, right? you know. Uh, but thank you very much for listening. You can check us out on Twitter. You can check us out on Instagram. You can check us out on Facebook. We're on clnsmedia.com. clnsmedia.com. We're on iTunes and Stitcher. Yeah, we're there. Um, we're. Uh, all over the place right now. You can please tweet us, uh, message us, uh, comp- like our stuff, retweet our stuff. You can interact with us, uh, give us suggestions of stuff you'd like us to see. Check out our back catalog. We have a proper site, Saturday Night Movie Sleepovers. You can check out ex- episode extras and stuff. We have, geez, we're almost 130 movies now in yeah. uh, episodes. Coming uh, up on our anniversary, our fourth anniversary. Yeah, in about a month, we're going to do our anniversary for the show. So that's going to be a big one for us. Uh, Blake, you have uh, other stuff. Uh, scored to Death. The book, Scored to Death Conversations with some of Horace Grace composers, and of course, Scored to Death, the podcast, uh, which is available, you know, most places you find podcasts, including SoundCloud, Spotify, and YouTube. Nice, nice. Um, also, just writing various things, wrote the recent liner notes for uh, Death Waltz's re release of the Halloween's four and five soundtracks. Vinyl. Uh, on vinyl. Of course, yeah. they got my name. Fucking wrong. I, I don't know that, yeah, I know. <laughs> cover. Ridiculous. Don't, but, don't uh, get me started. You can read my liner notes on those and uh, everything else. Yeah, and when, please go check out Blake's book, too, uh, Score to Death. And uh, I've got some good news, which I'll be talking about soon, which I'll bring up one of these days to you. And uh, check us out in two weeks. We'll have another movie coming out. And then before you know it, we're going to be into the fall. We're going to have our anniversary movie. After that, we're going to be uh, Halloween's going to be here. You know what we do in uh, October. So you'll be seeing that stuff going on. And before we know it, it'll be 2019. 
Where did time go? So check us out on clnsmedia.com and uh, all the other stuff we just told you about. Um, And we'll see you in two weeks. Later. Later.